For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Andy Duty, everybody. Paperwise this morning, a uh, story that was breaking last night makes the red tops on the front pages. And this uh, is a headline from The Sun today. It says GAA star arrested over one million euro fraud. Ex-player in Garda probe. And of course, it's been much talked about over the past week or so where a, a former GAA star uh, was uh, being quizzed last night over the allegations of donation fraud of a million, possibly higher. This is a sporting icon who was arrested in the southeast yesterday morning and taken to a Garda station. Uh, the Independent picks up on the story this morning. Bank in contact with Gardi over ex-GAA star fraud claims. Uh, so a huge investigation by Ungarda Shikana. An awful lot of people have been coming forward saying they gave this money and they gave it under allegations that they gave the money uh, on the basis that this individual was saying that he needed cancer treatment in America and things like that. So leading bank now is in contact with the guards as part of that investigation, according to the front and inside pages of the Independent. There are other fraud allegations making the papers today, uh, one of whom has been convicted, and that's the convicted fraudster, fraudster Katrina Carey in custody last night. Investigators arrested her on suspicion of breaching company laws. So that's another one that makes the papers today. There are a lot of stories actually before the courts and this is rather alarming to say the least. Uh, They have a photograph on the front page of the Star today of the dad who fractured an eight-year-old boy's nose after the child squabbled with one of his daughters. Uh, Individual age 40 called Camille Namchuk uh, punched the child in the face after being told that he had been fighting, that this child had been fighting with the girls over building a fort, something to do with playing and building a fort. And the papers this morning uh, say that he got, he's facing 240 hours of community service in lieu of an 18-month jail sentence. Now, your thoughts on that are welcome as to whether that should be a jail sentence or whether a lesson can be learned from community service. We've been talking about this a lot on the air recently with regards to sentencing. Text 0868104106. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary story because um, he ran after the group of boys, followed them into a nearby garden after his girls told him that the boys had been fighting with them. Um, he punched the child in the face with his closed fist, uh, causing the child to fall backwards. Uh, he claimed that he was defending uh, his daughter's man who broke nose of boy avoids jail, says this morning's son. And then, um, you know how we talk about drug debts and the lengths that uh, drug dealers and those involved in criminality like that will go to to get their money paid. Um, well, there's an interesting story making the Echo Court pages today where a, three, a three-year jail term was imposed on a member of a Dublin crime gang, an organised crime, crime gang, who came all the way down to Mitchellstown, called to the wrong house outside of Mitchellstown, demanding payment of a drug debt and threatened to burn the couple's house down. Now, uh, the guy before the courts, a fellow called Gavigan from Clondalkin, wrote a letter of apology to the victims. He says he'll never come near their home again. He says he'll never even visit Cork when he's released from prison. And this is a story from October of last year. So um, you're looking 
uh, to pay uh, back a, or to have a drug debt paid back. This is the kind of threats. These are the kind of threats that people will make in the event of the bill or the debt not being paid. Um, we live in a very angry world. This is a story that's buried away in the inside pages of the Star. I'd be more inclined to see this on the front pages of, of more newspapers. It's a story from Castle Martyr, right? The primary school. They cannot find somebody to become their new lollipop person. The last one retired after abuse from angry motorists. And they're finding it impossible to get somebody else to take on the job. There are 245 children in Castle Martyr who've had no crossing guard at the junction uh, where the N25 Cork to Ross Lair and the road to Gary Vaux intersect. Now, Castle Martyr is very busy. It's a very busy road. It's a main road. It's an artery going east. And of course, there's often problems with, uh, you know, traffic jams and tailbacks and what have you. So it's very important that somebody's there watching children pass crossing the road. We, we all agree with that. But there's been reports of regular shouting from motorists at the lollipop person. Um, they didn't feel like they should have to wait around for the children to cross. So you notice that, I don't know, is that the whole world is getting angrier and the reasons behind that. But certainly you're hearing an awful lot more issues on our roads regarding angry, angry drivers. So Castle Marta can't get a lollipop person because the drivers going through are just too angry and giving too much abuse. Uh, a lot of stories relating to kids in the papers this morning. The Examiner have a, uh, a stat this morning that says that 89,000 kids are in consistent poverty. Uh, and this is the go-to people who know the numbers and crunch them properly. And that's the CSO. They're putting the number at 89,000. And then there's 66,000 pensioners living in poverty, according to the Mail today. And that, of course, is another central statistics offer office statistic and these figures show that many of our elderly are struggling to afford basic necessities and we've talked about this a lot on the air whether it's fuel or food sometimes it's one or the other and then the echo is talking about the amount of rentals on Leaside that are flouting the inspection rules when they go out to look at them they find and found 95% these are private rented properties non-compliant with regulations last year. Maybe we could have a look at what the public authority uh, stats are like and how many of their properties are found wanting. Bus Connect, of course, it hasn't gone away, you know. Uh, and whatever's happening, it's happening in the background. And whatever plans they have, even if some of them have been slightly amended, even if they're not putting a bridge over the Mangala or whatever the case may be, or road over the Mangala, uh, other parts of it will go on. Uh, and it will decimate an awful lot of local communities, all in the name, of course, of getting people from A to B faster and giving more bus routes, more rights on the road. But the Echo's front page this morning has Mary Mangan and Hugh Lorigan um, on the road at Summerhill North. They are residents and they're showing uh, by way of a yellow line uh, the part of the footpath which will be taken away when Bus Connect and its corridors are introduced. And this is not anything just exclusive to Summerhill North. This is happening uh, on a lot of our roads. But ultimately, when you talk about Summerhill North, you'll be looking at three lanes of traffic, a dedicated bus lane and two lanes for general traffic, all shoehorned into Summerhill North as part of the new route or the new prospects. Now, that story has kind of gone to sleep. And, and I, know, I know that's the way things are. Media moves on, stories move on. Uh, but certainly we'll definitely be talking about it again uh, come the autumn. And as you heard on breakfast this morning, the snack trolley is back or at least it's due a comeback, I should say, on the, uh, they say the Dublin to Cork route. We would say the Cork to Dublin route, wouldn't we? That's the bloody Dublin papers for you, isn't it? Irish Rail confirming that catering will return on the Cork to Dublin train from April. Um, What's going to be available? I have no idea. How extensive the offerings will be? I just don't know. 
Um, they are putting in vending kiosks. I get that. So that's primarily going to be, what would that be? Like chocolate and crisps, maybe? I don't know whether you could put sandwiches into a vending machine. I suppose you could. You put anything into a vending machine, I guess. Uh, even these days, you can get hot pizza from vending machines. Um, but as to what's going to be on the trolley, whether it moves from carriage to carriage to carriage, which I assume it will, if it's a snack trolley, what will actually be sold? Uh, worryingly, the uh, response time for ambulances just go from bad to worse. And uh, the Echo this morning talked to a Cork paramedic who wished to remain anonymous. Uh, and he says... One of the major problems with regards to getting from A to B for ambulance personnel is that there aren't enough crews by day or night. And they're sucking in crews then and ambulances from West Cork, Kerry, Tip and Waterford on a regular basis. Like you could have a call in Mallow, right, where the ambulance could be coming from West Cork, for instance. Um, and I can back that up with statistics, actually, because there were 94 incidents where it took an ambulance more than four hours to arrive at a life-threatening emergency. And the longest, um, the example of the longest wait for an ambulance was seven hours and 10 minutes in Waterford, followed by a Cork wait of over six hours in Cork. Um, and there's been 6,200 occasions last year that it took over an hour for an ambulance to respond to life-threatening emergencies. What, sh- what, would it be, what should it be? Should it be like 10 to 15 minutes? I mean, if it's life-saving saving and life-threatening, surely that's the kind of numbers we should be talking about, the waiting times. Uh, you know, it won't be much more time to wait when it comes to the new sex education course that's going to be introduced first into primary schools and then into secondary schools. It'll start for junior cycle um, students, for instance, by next September when they come back after the summer holidays. But parents can withdraw children from this new sex education course. It's going to be quite radical and some of the content has been updated in both primary and secondary schools. But if you don't want your kids to actually sit in for the sex education course, you can withdraw them from the course. And one of the things that they hone in on the Irish Times this morning is the fact that it will be addressing issues such as gender identity, pornography and sexual consent. And it said that some parents might have a problem with all of those or one of those or two or whatever. But the the contentious ones could be gender identity, pornography and sexual content. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868 104 106. There's a chap above in Dublin who claims he wrote one of you two songs uh, who is suing uh, the band uh, for... Uh, well, I think he's probably saying that um, they, he, they used the song without his permission. He claims he, he wrote a song with that, and they used it without permission. And he's seeking significant sums in compensation. It's a chap called Morris Kiley from uh, Whitehall in Dublin. I don't know the song. I wouldn't be that into you two enough to know the song. It's called, uh, well, I think it was from the album How to Dismantle a Bomb. And the track appears on that. Um, the song is called A Man and a Woman. Perhaps you know it. And that's the one that's... Uh, uh, ending up in a, a legal wrangle with with you two. You know the person who, um, uh, for years actually, Dave Fanning always had the first play of anything that you two ever did. You know, any new single, any new album, Dave Fanning always got it first because of his relationship that goes way back to the seventies uh, with you two, and it was announced yesterday. I think well, how old is Dave now? He's about sixty five, sixty six. I think uh, he's um, hanging up the microphone on Two FM, and will move to podcasts and RTE Gold. I mean, he's got an incredible backstory, uh, starting on Two uh, FM or RT Two or what it was called back in the seventies, starting in May of nineteen seventy nine, and uh, he's been uh, there ever since. 
I think somebody was saying recently that, uh, you know, um, for him to be still in 2FM all of these years later, we'd be like a dinosaur in the corridors of 2FM. And I don't think that was meant in any kind of a nasty way. Uh, but he's going to move uh, and we'll move to RT Gold and to podcasts after an incredibly long career on the same radio station and uh, wish him all of the best of luck. Papers also this morning um, talk of an interesting one when it comes to uh, people who are sports fans. Uh, are you aware of that story, right? This guy's a Gunners fan. He's a Gunners fan. And the misfortune, he only went and died, right? But he had a huge collection, apparently, of um, sports memorabilia, particularly sports shirts. And apparently, way back in the day, uh, the Arsenal had an away kit that was um, very similar to well, uh, yeah, the Chelsea yeah, the, kit. The sponsor was the same. Emirates. So both teams were sponsored by Emirates for a while. Um, kind so of his girlfriend the- decides that she's going to have him buried in a gunner's top. Yeah. Right? But he had so many of them. What happened next? She picked, of all of the ones that she could have potentially picked, um, she picked the one that it did have Emirates on the front of it. It was a, a blue colour, which Arsenal often wears in away kit, so she thought it might be a rare blue jersey. Um, turns out there was the one, the Chelsea jersey, that his buddy bought him as a joke years and years ago, and they ended up burying the Arsenal fan in a Chelsea jersey the absolute ignominy of it Neil could you imagine <laughs> being it'd be like a Man U fan being buried in a Man City wouldn't it uh, well, like, a yeah, well, fan being buried in an Arsenal in an Arsenal it's just, it's just not right you know like it just and look, I, I understand they had a good laugh about it a RGA fan being buried in a Dublin jersey like or a Kilkenny jersey can you imagine that one you, of, you could hardly miss the Kilkenny one though it looks no, like a bumblebee but true. she said that the reason behind it was she wanted to, to bury him in the least worn top as in the smartest looking one. Yeah, the one that, of course, it was the least worn one. It wasn't even the cluffy face supported. So by the time they called, oh. it was wrong. It was too late to change it. And like, uh, it made me think of my own dad because he's a die in the wool uh, Arsenal fan, huge Gunners fan. So was my grandfather. So since the 50s, he's had no choice. And the idea. Yeah. Of, of of my dad being is in that, the casket in a Chelsea jersey. the worst insult possible to be confused, an Arsenal fan to be confused for a Chelsea fan. I was going to say it's a, it's a fate worse than death, but I don't know if that's <laughs> the correct term to use in this case. Oh man, thank God there's some lighthearted stories making the papers. Thanks, Kev. Actually, there's another one too, just making the Times UK this morning. The prospect of robot housekeepers um, is not too far away. And in the next five to ten years, it really and truly will become... Um, a reality. Not in everything. I mean, I don't think that they, you know, they, they can do a lot of chores at home. I don't think they'll, they'll be able to babysit, or will they? Maybe artificial intelligence will be able to babysit and robots will be babysitting and minding the children, but all the other chores. I mean, we already have them. You have these little robot vacuum cleaners, which seem to be a real hit. They're fantastic. Of course, you've got the robo-moors that'll cut the grass for you. But apparently, in the not-too-distant future, robot housekeepers will do the washing up, do all of the cleaning, do all of the laundry. They'll even be able to keep an eye on what you need to buy in supermarkets, order groceries for you. And all of those awful chores will become a thing of the past. I think there are fridges now, aren't there? I believe that fridges exist, right, with technology in them to tell you when you're running low on things like milk and butter and all of the staples, what you do be keeping in the fridge. So you can see the way technology is going. And there's a lovely one then in the sun reminding us that we are just binning way too much food. There's like 770,000 
tons of food that ends up on the scrap heap. And they say that in every home, 31% is food that isn't eaten and just thrown in the bin. And they're reminded of, of course, we're reminded of that on on an interesting week because there's a shortage of all sorts of veg now coming into Ireland it's making people sit up and think are many people out there in a lot do you have allotments is anybody growing their own veg just doing it yourself whether it's in the back garden or do you have an allotment somewhere is there a place where there are lots of allotments and people are there growing their carrots or their parsnips or their their turnips or their peas or their tomatoes, whatever the case may be? I'd love to hear from you because you're the ones uh, who are the smart ones now because you have your own ready-made supply. Anyway, text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Well, talking about, um, you know, stories about how dangerous the city is and can be, whether by day or by night, earlier in the week, I told you the story of the influencer, David Babington, who was out socialising with friends on Sunday night and was walking from his restaurant back to his hotel on the South Mall. Um, now, obviously, the papers who are reporting on this would be calling it an alleged attack uh, because there could well be a guard investigation behind it. But I was telling you the story of it and he shared it online himself and indeed a video of the damage to his face, which was quite extensive. Um, and uh, he was very shocked and he was very shook. And I could understand that, you know, the last thing on his mind would have been talking to the likes of me over the past few days. But I'm happy to say he joins me by phone this morning. David, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well, but more to the point, how are you? Uh, I've had better, better few days, but listen, you know, it's it's done. It's happened. Um, I'm feeling much stronger now that a few days has passed. Okay. Um, time is a healer. I just needed to be silent the last couple of days. I, and I appreciate everyone reaching out to me. I understand. I you were very upset. I know. You were processing. I was very upset. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously a hard story for me to tell. So. If it's okay with you, I just maybe just lead part of it so you can then jump in if you want to ask. But listen, questions. absolutely. So, I don't mean to yeah. make you uncomfortable in any way, shape, not or form. No, so, you're not. You're not. You know, not I, I mean, how, like, been, I imagine the next morning there was a been serious swelling and the eye completely and utterly closed. It was bad enough was anyway. Com- the eye, yeah, exactly. The eye the following day had completely closed over and I was in a full haze of serious confusion. So I'll just rewind a little bit. Go ahead. As you mentioned, I was out with my two girlfriends who were friends since we were five years old. It was Mandy's birthday. I was out with the two girls, Mandy and Susan, had a fabulous dinner, went off and saw a live band. We separated at around quarter to midnight. I was heading back to the Imperial Hotel where my dad were incredible to me when it happened. Um, I was heading back down there past a certain bar and um, down a little bit from it where I heard look at the effing queer, look at the effing faggot. And before I knew it, a very big, strong, stocky man had punched me a really hard blow into the eye. I remember going down. My next memory is trying to get up and somebody being in front of me that I remember slightly almost pushing, saying, get away. At that moment, I had believed that that was the person that assaulted me. I also remember guards being there. The next part of the story, Neil, I'm not going to lie, I had a couple of drinks. We were celebrating. You're entitled, to, you're entitled to do that, incidentally. Exactly. So, so there's a combination of being whacked into the head and being a little bit fussy from drinks. So the next memory of me is being down in the Bridewell asking the guards what's going on. They did tell me that I was a complete gentleman that I lately found out the following night and before I knew it, I was in a cell. 
until the following evening, I was under the illusion that I was arrested for defending myself and being in an altercation by pushing that person. The story is, the facts of the story is, is that when the guy that hit me, he actually got away. I went down and I was knocked out. Somebody came and saw me, called the guard saying that there's a man after falling or is unconscious on the street. The guards then came. Obviously, that was the person that I thought had assaulted me that I pushed. Hence why I was thinking I'm being arrested for pushing someone. So I got very, very, very confused. As you can imagine, being knocked out after having a few drinks. So when I spoke to the guard the following evening, he told me what happened. He explained to me, David, you know, it's our duty. I I think it's duty of care that they call it when somebody is appears to be under the influence of alcohol and as, you know, not safe to themselves, they do bring them over to the guard station. So the guard station, the guards actually did nothing wrong. Now, I wasn't offered any medical advice for my eye or any, any medical service, but they were doing their job. To them, I was probably some drunken hooligan, Put him into the cell to protect him, and that's that's. And I can't, I can't, I have to let that be at that. What's going on behind the scenes? I will leave that be. But what happened basically is that I was assaulted. The guy got away, and um, yeah, it was just the most scary, scary how, situation. How, how long were you in the cell? Was it overnight? They, no, uh, they left me go at five in the morning. So I was there for a good four, four, maybe half, maybe five hours. It was a very long time. I remember it was just very traumatic. And the confusion of why I'm in there was extremely difficult for me to comprehend. I was advised when I left to call back the following day. When I called back the following day, I was looking for answers. I didn't get those answers till Monday evening, almost 24 hours after the incident. So I was just bewildered. I was thinking, oh my God, am I going to get a charge? Did I do something right? Am I being charged for defending myself? So it was just the ordeal was just horrendous. To be a 43-year-old confident gay man, To walk down the street, Neil, I experienced this when I was in my 20s. Yeah. I, I stood up in the courthouse. A guy was charged with six months in jail for assaulting me when I was 19 years old. I've, this has happened to me before, but it hasn't happened in a very long time. And I, I, can't, I can stress that we are in a very different Ireland. And, you know, the gay community is accepted on so many levels. But as a gay man, as a flamboyant gay man, mm. it's okay to be gay, but don't be too gay in front of them. And, and that's the way, you know, don't be too flamboyant in front of, and I'm not, you know, I'm not putting this down on all heterosexual men, please don't think I'm, I'm not at all. But there's a certain, a certain type of, of man that will challenge gay men. They will, I, I still get it. I go into a bar that's very male macho orientated and I get the, I get the words, I get the whispers, I get the pointing. I still receive that as a 43 year old man. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's and, not. And, and that kind of behaviour that you experience, is it from people mm. of all ages or is it the older generation? It's the older generation. I don't experience it for younger generation at all at all. Younger, younger men, young teenage boys, I don't experience it at all. I think, thank God, the new generation, the younger generation, it's fading out. But it's generally of men 30 plus up to around early 50s that tend to throw the comments. These are the guys that are probably similar age to myself, a bit older, that would have done this back in the day. In the 80s, in the 90s, they're still doing it now. Their mindset has not changed. And I'm not even going to make this a gay thing as well. Of course I was. It did happen to me for being gay. But on my Instagram, when I shared a story, the amount of people that have come to me told me, 
females, straight couples, younger gay guys that have been assault, assaulted in Cork in the last two months. It has shocked me, absolutely shocked me. It's the last thing I had anticipated, leaving the girls a quarter to twelve, going back to the hotel, thinking, that's great, I'll get a lion, um, I'll have my breakfast tomorrow, I'll get the train home. Little did I know I'd be calling my husband, telling me, please come to Cork and, and pick me up, I've been assaulted. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's so difficult. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's just out there. Um, it's, it doesn't seem to be going away. I just never. We may be, you're it. saying we may be so we may be more accepting now as a society to people with uh, you know the way they want to live their own life. But exactly. and that includes being being gay. But mm-hmm. but the warning that comes with that or the caveat is, mm. but just be careful because some sections of society won't like it if you're too flamboyant about it. That's sad. One hundred percent. And that's what I'm. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And there's a report and published uh, last uh, uh, earlier this week that said that last year was the most violent year for LGBTQ plus people in Europe in a decade. I read it and that it just blew my mind and little did I know that I would be part of that statistic, you know. Um, yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, this is not me in any way being critical of what happened at Anglesey Street, but uh, like, would it, would it not have been evident that you would have had an injury, that you should have got medical intervention? The, the, guard, the guards were under the illusion that I had fallen over. Yeah, I, I, I am disappointed that any kind of medical intervention took place. There was none. There was okay. absolutely none. Okay. Um, when you were in that time, cell, do you know if you were checked regularly for those hours? I, I do remember the guard came in and looked in at me and stuff and I kept saying, can I please go, can I please go? And they said, look, let's, let's get the alcohol settle down and you're free to go then. Um, but at that time, I was just fully convinced that I was arrested, that I was going to face a criminal charge. Because some people were saying earlier in the week that you could have had a brain bleed or an internal injury to the head and they were I know, well, I've been, I, I've been to the doctor since and thank God I, I'm okay and stuff like that. There's no internal damage and that's the thing. You know, when I went down, obviously, the perpetrator disappeared he didn't continue assaulting me you know he i'm presuming he didn't because i don't feel well cowards run, cowards run away that's what they exactly do. Yeah. Exactly, but exactly and how much clothing was was removed i was down to my underwear <sighs> i see like why well uh, it's protocol that what i've heard is that so a person in the cell doesn't try to harm themselves so underwear and socks sorry i had underwear and socks I mean, freezing that's, cold, my layers. Yeah, that and and freezing cold, but that's alarming. It's traumatic. It's traumatic. It was traumatic when I was unaware of what was actually going on. Um, to think that okay, I'm being arrested now. I'm uh, yeah. It was very confusing to me. It was very that 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 really affected me the following day more than the assault. Actually, it was more of why was I in the cell? It wasn't until I got the full clarity on the story that I, okay. I felt a little bit okay. better. Thank yeah. you for answering my questions. How, how long were you in the cell in your underwear and socks? About five hours. Four and a half to five hours. I mean, I can understand taking laces or taking a tie or a belt or something like that, but you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're a fairly snazzy flamboyant dresser. You'd have had a fair, fairly decent clobber on you. They took it all off. I had a beautiful grey suit on me and it was all taken off, yeah. Look, it's, it's, I, uh, I, I don't know what to say or think about that. I'm trying to not dwell on that. And my attitude is right now, Neil, is that, look, it happened. I have to leave it in the past. What's going on behind the scenes is happening. 
I can't let this break me. I can't let, I, I refuse to be a victim in any of this. I, I'm not saying, you know, why me? Why did it happen to me? I, I will never say that. Why not me? Why would I wish this on anybody else? Your degradation of standing in a cell in your underwear in the freezing cold, being assaulted on the street unconscious, to think of people passing me, seeing me, thinking I'm some drunk hooligan. You know, when I go out with my friends, we have the best time. I don't provoke people. I don't look for trouble. Right. I'm just being myself. And I just have to... To protect myself. The hard, one of the hardest parts of this was coming home and my three-year-old daughter seeing me with this big bruised face. She couldn't even look at me. She was petrified of me for about three days. How Only do you explain that, that away? Yeah. I kept trying to say to her, Daddy has makeup, Daddy has paint, and she just wouldn't. She was kind of pushing me. She was afraid of me. My eye, my, the white of my eye is completely red now. It's, it's very intimidating for her. But finally yesterday, she came around the bed and was giving me the cuddles. That has been so hard. And yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah. So, um, do you think, uh, maybe I'm dwelling on this a bit too much, but you can stop me, but do do you think that there was confusion initially when the guards came along, brought you to the cell, etc.? There was definitely confusion, yeah. uh, And do you think that they they clarified what went on in the morning, is it? It wasn't until the following evening. So, I left left at 5am to go back to the Imperial Hotel. I called them them at 9 o'clock that morning when when I... just before I called my husband, they called me to call back that evening. I called back at seven o'clock on Monday evening when I found the full details. They were under the illusion that I had fallen because the person that had called them said there's a man that had fallen. So they didn't know that the, the, the person had fallen. No, and, and that's why yeah. I'm saying that I can't, I can't, I can't throw any. All right. Negative do, light but do you know, is there a guard me. investigation now into what was what happened to you and CCTV footage being, being watched? Yeah, and that's what's happening behind closed doors. Okay. okay. Things at the moment. So, All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Awful. An no, awful experience. Marley, just, just be safe. Just be safe. So, will you safe. change now? Will you change um, your your behaviour? Absolutely in any- not. Absolutely I'm saying not. Out, of, I, out of fear, will, will you become no, more reclusive? No, I, no, I will never change my flamboyancy, and I'm proud of my sexuality. I always have been. I'm, I'm not saying I'm walking around, you know, in dresses or anything like that. But you know, I dress nazi. I stand out. I have always been. A I think you're. I think you're a snappy dresser. I think you're a super dresser. <laughs> I was looking at your Instagram page, and jeez, man, you're fierce. I love fashion. You have fashion fierce fashion. style. Yeah. You really do. Oh, and, and I'm fearless with fashion. <laughs> the only thing is that the only thing is that I am afraid of is when the time comes where I go out again in Cork, what way is it going to affect me? Am I going to be insecure again? Am I going to be thinking that there's guys at the side of the bar looking at me? Am I going to be targeted? And that's a normal reaction because that's the reaction that I had before when I was 19, 20, 21. That didn't leave me till I moved to Australia and was living in the gay capital of the world for a year. I came back to Ireland then with insane confidence and to really be myself. Yeah. I'm scared that I will go back backwards in my mind mentally that I will be scared going out. That's something that I will have to challenge and that's something that I will not allow. I will try to not allow it but I don't know how I'm going to react. I really don't know how I'm going to react. Okay, well hopefully you'll deal with it. Keep being you because we love you just the way you are. Look after yourself. Thank you, Neil. All right, Thank you so much. Cheers, my man. Bye-bye. David Babington, material boy, whom you can follow on Instagram and his horrific experiences uh, on Sunday night. Text 0868104106 back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. People alarmed with my conversation with uh, David. I see texts coming in uh, with regard to um, different aspects of the story and particularly the treatment at the Garda station. Amongst them, John Byrne. John, good morning. 
Morning, Neil. What did you want to pick up? It's an awful thing, isn't it, Tappan? Just shocking. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is totally outrageous. That, like, I mean, it was bad enough that the guy was after getting a, a whacking. And then he was brought into a cell and he was stripped. What was the idea of stripping him? Was it to degrade him? You see, I, I, would have un- I would have understood that you would take a tie away or you would take a belt away. You might take the laces of a shoe away, Ab- shoes, but, absolutely, but taking yeah, all clothes. Yeah. Like somebody is suggesting here, uh, it's an interesting one, um, would it happen to a woman, for instance? That's correct. That was a point I made as well. Would, 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 is, are they doing it to women? Would they leave and a woman me, in her underwear in yeah, a cell? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and why, why didn't they give him a blanket to keep himself warm? Um, I think he did have a blanket, didn't he? I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know because I mean, like, if they were concerned about the fact that he could uh, do harm to himself with with a, a belt, he could most certainly do with a blanket as well. My my apologies. I'm quite. I don't even know if I asked the question about a blanket. I, I'll have to I check. Think with, you, I don't I'm think sorry you did, about actually, that. But, you know, checking, we'll check with said, David and see. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, he said he was. He said he was freezing cold, which I can well understand. You know. Wouldn't it wouldn't like, sound I mean, like an was, ideal? The guy was yeah. in shock. Yeah, the guy was in shock from from being beat up, so his body would go into 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 a, a different uh, situation anyway. So then then to leave him uh, practically naked, you know, for five hours. Was Can't, he was he given was he given a hot drink in the five hours? He was uh, he was given no medical from what he can gather. No, he, no, he certainly uh, wasn't was, given any kind of medical check. No, but, yeah, was but he, would was you he accept offered, it? Was offered, go on. Was he offered a hot drink? Never mentioned that. So, so they stripped him, so don't his jocks, and he got no form of sustenance whatsoever from the from the police. Not, my understanding is that no, he didn't get anything in the way of a hot drink. Anyway, I, I have to clarify, and that's that's shabby on my behalf as to whether or not there was a blanket. I don't. What is standard protocol in a cell? Is there a blanket in a cell? Do we know? I, I, I don't know. I've never been inside the cell, yeah. you know? Nor have I, but I'm just wondering, yeah. would the, that poor man was knocked out and the guards bring him to a cell. That happened to me years ago. Uh, it's a, it, that happened to me years ago. What a disgrace. You should be ringing Anglesey Street and giving them a piece of your mind. Uh, another one here. Can't come on air. I'm angry at the guardie for not giving this man first medical care and then a tracksuit. No need for him to be yeah. left in his yeah. underwear. Would they leave a woman in her underwear in a cell? Yeah, well, I, I think that his first protocol, he should bypass what's going on in Cork and go straight to Drew Harris and ask Drew Harris for his input into it. It does, seems, that, it does seem bizarre that somebody would be in their jocks and socks in a cell for five hours. You'd think that it, they it's would... Not make, it's not making any sense at all. The only, the only thing that came to my mind when I heard the word was uh, that the guy was being uh, degraded. You know? I mean, like, he wasn't a threat to society. He wasn't carrying weapons of mass destruction on his person. So what, what, what the hell was, go- what was the thinking uh, going on inside in the, in the police station? Um, confusion, I think, as to whether he had fallen from drink, not realising that he had been assaulted. I know. And that he was, in, that he was in the in cell, they may have thought, just for his own protection, just to sober up, and at five in the morning, they let him go home. Yeah, that could be the story in our eyes, like that. But normally, if you fall from drink or whatever, like it just doesn't get one eye at all. Like uh, if you're going face down, uh, your nose and your and your chin and your and uh, your full profile 
will, will uh, normally have uh, some bearing of, yeah, of contact with uh, no, the government. I know that, you know? And, and I imagine as well, even if you did have some kind of a blanket, that in a cold cell in your jocks and socks, you'd still be frozen with the cold, and he was frozen Absolutely. with the cold. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I can't understand. What, like, I mean, if he was arrested for drunk driving, they'd bring a doctor to, to get him tested, wouldn't they? Yeah. There'd be some kind of a test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. the guy has a head injury and does and does no test on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand that they may have taken his clothing because they wanted to remove any kind of um, clothing that he might use to harm himself. But even if that was the case, wouldn't you think there would be standard replacement? Like somebody mentioned, uh, maybe a, a tracksuit. Yeah, but hold on. Once but the sex the clothing, coming in, what else is going on in our cells that we don't know about? Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the question that I get. But listen, once they checked his clothing, why didn't they give him, to, why didn't they give him back to him so that he could uh, get dressed again and keep himself warm? Yeah, yeah, I think I think there are some questions. Ah, no, no, there's 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 a lot of stuff here on the surface that that we're not getting the facts. Of. But I think uh, he needs to uh, uh, employ somebody and uh, get look for the answers from from Drew Harris and find out what Drew Harris has input into this because Drew Harris is either sending him out to do this or it's been done without his knowledge and he's getting the box. He's the head man, and he has the questions to answer. And I imagine that he wouldn't have been in a position, having just been assaulted, the whole right-hand side of his face was out like a balloon. He wouldn't have been cognizant enough to ask questions, either when he was of brought to not. the Garda station, or even at five in the morning when he was leaving. I imagine the one thing on his mind was, I just need to get out of here and get home to my family, you know? Yeah, but should, yeah, but should, listen, after a few drinks at five o'clock in the morning, all you want, your body wants to do is go to sleep anyway, and your brain has gone into, into rest mode. Never mind getting a smack into the head. Yeah, okay. I'll, um, I'll, I'll clarify the question regarding the blanket and also put in a query to Garda Press to see if they can help us with the matter as to and whether... Ask, yeah, well, you, yeah, you could ask him why there was no sustenance offered to the guy, you know? Well, I find out whether there was or not and uh, be interesting to see if David Babington wants any more questions answered. He seems to want to let it lie now, pending a well, Garda investigation. Well, this is the thing to see. He's now afraid to see that he may be picked up again or he may be stopped. But I, this is where the intimidation goes about taking your clothes. Because one of the first things you do when you're trying to uh, uh, discommode somebody is they reckon that you can't fight when you're naked. This is why people's clothes are taken. You think? Well, yeah, this was a standard uh, uh, thing going down through... Uh, but it, but, but, if, there were, but if, there was a young, if there was a young woman that was found on the streets of Cork, say with yeah. a, a head injury, an injury to his, her face, like Cork, this, yes, yeah. um, and yeah. she was alone... With a strip. Would, would, would the same out, thing yeah. happen? Would she be brought to a Garda station? I'm, I'm just curious. And Would well, she be down to her underwear well, in, in a cell with, with Gardy looking in through the peephole? I wonder. Well, I would, hear, well, I would hate to think so. But, I, but I, at this stage, anything is possible. Yeah, but I mean, in, in fairness, like, the Garda Shikon are compassionate people. They're human beings themselves. Yep. They have families but, and friends but, themselves. Well, yep. But what we need now is we need somebody else from the female fraternity to, to phone in has it ever happened to them okay 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 good point let's see let people get right, involved in the conversation thanks John again asking okay. some great questions okay. pal thank you for that John Byrne text right. 086-8104-106 we have confirmation um, from uh, you know that he would have been given a blanket and offered a doctor uh, and that's from uh, uh, a Garda whom I can't share any details of but that he would have been given a blanket and offered a doctor, according to a Garda source that doesn't want to be 
uh, named. But I don't believe that David Bamington said he was ever offered as to whether he wanted to be checked by a doctor. That's my understanding of what he said. Anyway, uh, I will clarify the issue regarding the blanket, but I'm just curious, and we'll have to find out with uh, Garda Press as to whether that is standard protocol when you're put in a cell, even for your own safety to sober up. Is that what happens, that you're down to, in the case of a man, to your jocks and socks? Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. An alarming story. Text 0868104106 if you want to get involved in the conversation. Can I just turn to another uh, story, actually, that um, I got three different emails and two texts this morning from different individuals who were highlighting something that happened on Wednesday morning on Pierce Road. Um, and my apologies and condolences to the family who are connected to this story. One email said, I'm so sorry, but once again, uh, a young man uh, suffered a heart attack Wednesday morning, Pierce Road. If there had been access to a defibrillator, the man may well still be alive. Uh, you recently had the heart bar on air defending themselves uh, with regards to student Christmas events and said that you should be talking more on air about the defibrillator that they have at the heart bar. At the time, they told you that's what should be interesting you. A man died because they couldn't gain access, perhaps, to a defibrillator. Um, it should be put up outside in Pier Square, where it would have definitely been accessible. Another one said, I have a major concern about the defibrillator located uh, at the Harp Bar on Pollardoff Road. Man passed away, possibly during the week, because of not having access to that defibrillator. Uh, when the bar were asked, uh, we were told that they knew nothing about it. The man had a loving wife and family. Uh, I hope people will be aware of how important defibrillators are. A third one then said that, that a man was cutting the grass. I didn't see it, but my partner called me uh, to check. Uh, the defibrillator is up by the heart bar uh, on the outside. We sent someone up to get it, but she came back and said that it was locked. We rang the heart bar, who told us they didn't know anything about it, rang the ambulance while doing CPR, um, um, but he'd come round at that stage and they didn't say anything to us from the ambulance 999 about a defibrillator. They were just telling us to lay him on his back and to monitor his breathing. It was just as, uh, you know, he, uh, it, it was as just, sorry, that makes no sense, the rest of that text, but I think that gives you the general gist and sadly, tragically, a man did pass away. But I did talk with the Harp Bar uh, about the defibrillator at that location. And I, I'm just I'm just keen to get some clarity on this because it's a story that you, you couldn't ignore. So Anya joins me from the Harp Bar. Anya, good morning. Uh, sorry, my apologies. Let me just change phone lines. Anya, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can, yeah. Listen, do you want to respond to that? Because again, this is third hand. I, I'm just going on, on what I've been sent by email and by text. What, what is I this? Would, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, first I want to pass on our sincere condolences to that man's family and friends, you know, such a tragic thing to have happened. But the story I'm getting is that two people landed for the defibrillator yesterday. And because the defibrillator is locked in a box, the only one who has access to the code, which in our, which in our premises is the staff, okay? Yeah. Now, once we registered our defibrillator with the ambulance service, when emergency comes in, from what I gather is you're asked, if there's a D, do you know where your nearest defibrillator is? And if yes, you're told to actually leave the person alone and go get the defib. If you're not told, if you don't know where your nearest defibrillator is, because they're registered, the ambulance service tells you where they are and what the code is to open that box. Now, the staff member who was there yesterday wouldn't have had access to the defibrillator or the office. You know, he's outside worker. Okay. I wasn't around myself. We don't open till 12 o'clock. 
which if I had been at home and the man came looking for me himself, okay. I would have been able to open the defibrillator. Yeah. Now, you can clarify this with the ambulance service. We registered with the sev- on the 17th of January with them, with the defibrillator. Now, the codes aren't on defibrillator boxes regarding vandalism. No, there wouldn't be. But I'm just curious no. as to where does somebody get the code? The co- from the ambulance service. Okay. So you, you're on the phone to the ambulance service. Okay. And yeah. you tell them the hopper have a defibrillator. Straight away, they give you the code to that defibrillator. So you box. don't have that code. I have the code myself, and I have the code written inside the pub office for daytime. You know, first something happened, God forbid, something happened, and we were open. It's I I I set up the code from day one. I set up the code. I give it to the ambulance service, and they have it on their system. Okay. Okay. So those two people who came looking for the defibrillator obviously weren't on the phone to the ambulance service at the time, which they couldn't get the code out of the box. So they could have got it from the ambulance if the, param- yes, the, if the ambulance, ambulance had asked. Service, yes. Or they could have got the code from... It's your defibrillator, isn't it? Well, it's for the public. Okay. Did you fundraise for that? We, we did. We, yeah. we funded it and I put half the money in, in out of my own pocket. Okay, and I want to acknowledge all of that, but is that, like, could it have been handled better? Should the code not have been, you know, on show for have, all of the staff to see the code? This, this, you see, the staff, you see, if the code is on the box, Neil, you're leaving yourself No, I'm not saying that, but it, like that there was somebody on the premises and what the... He was on the premises and he wasn't aware of the code. He actually came to my own house to see if I was here, that if I could get over and get it, but unfortunately I wasn't at home at the time. It, it, it's kind of it's kind of sad actually, and obviously tragic for the family that the first time that it possibly was needed after the yeah. fundraising and putting it no, there, I, it couldn't I, be I used. There is other defibrillators that would have been in close contact as well, you know, in the area. There is quite a few defibrillators in the area as well. Yeah. I, do, I don't know, you see, whether or not but the maybe, ambulance maybe 999 told them to look for a defibrillator. I don't know. Yeah, you see, I, you see, that's where you're going to have to follow up on the ambulance service of it. Maybe we need to do something to make defibrillators, how to access codes, awareness around these. Because for my gathering they obviously weren't on the phone to the ambulance service that they obviously just knew we had a defib No, I have another text from somebody who said that they did ring the ambulance while doing Mm -hmm. CPR um, and that the ambulance 999 didn't say anything about a defibrillator on the phone they were just saying lay him on his back Yeah, that's something you would have to take up with the ambulance service and because we are registered with the ambulance service for the defibrillator who has the code who does give out the code Yeah yeah. You know, this is this is something now I have to carry, you know, that if I had been at home at the time that man called or if I had been opened earlier, I that man might still be alive. But now I'm carrying the fact that people are just thrown out there that oh we couldn't get the defib from the bar, you know, that that's not right either. There's a man and a family's man grieving. At this very does, does that does that upset you that it could have made a difference? It, if... Of course, it does upset me. <clears throat> Absolutely, that's the whole point. We put a defibrillator into the area. That's the whole point. We're waiting to train up customers and staff members. Some staff members are already trained up. This was given. If this wasn't given just for the happy, this was given for use to try and save someone's life yeah, in the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And will, will you change the is. protocols going forward with regards to staff and access like, to the code? Like every, the staff that are working there all have the code just written in the office and, you know, clear to be seen that if, God forbid, if something did happen, 
that instead of waiting for the ambulance to give it, they have it there and then. But that didn't happen yesterday. <laughs> you know what, what happened if this was at 12 o'clock last night and there's going to be no one in the bar either around... Well, I mean, in fairness, I have to say that if the if 999 thought that a defibrillator was needed, they would have said that to the people, the concerned citizens who called them. My understanding is they didn't say anything about the defibrillator because the gentleman had come around for a period of time and, um, that, and was that's conscious. What I mean, Neil, that's something Unfortunately, he died later in hospital. You know, he did, and that's something we're going to have to carry, that I carry myself, that we put this in to help people. And unfortunately, something happened yesterday and that, that could have saved that man's life. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if, if that code is put on the box, then you're leaving it open to, like, people vandalise it. And it would be vandalised. And it, it would be vandalised. Yeah. And that's why codes aren't put on the box outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, as I, as I say, as I say, if, if oh, there's a, actually, an, I've been sent photographs of defibrillators, one of them from Carrick Tool, that actually has the access code on it. Um whether or not that's you know going to lead to it being vandalised or not, I don't know. But so some do have access codes on them. Uh, but but you think that it would be a safety issue if you were to put a code on it? But like uh, anyway, the ambulance didn't ask for um, you know where's your nearest defibrillator. Um, it would be an awful lot worse if they did and then couldn't get the code. You know. Yeah, well, do, do, do I can't answer that because I have no control of what you know what call what went on between that call. All I can say is that I am truly sorry that the defibrillator wasn't made available, you know. As I said, there are other defibrillators within the area. I know Balafihan, CDP have one, the library have one. I think Maria Sumter School have one. I could be okay. wrong on that. Okay. So there is quite a few around. Now, so if they had been on the phone to the ambulance, and the ambulance, I'm, this is only me just speaking from the top of my mind, that if they felt he needed defibrillation, then they would have had access to. They would have given them. They would have given yeah. them the code for it. But yes. okay. But even if somebody doesn't ring an ambulance and goes to where the defibrillator is kept, yes. they need to be able to get they the code. They need to ring. The, they need to ring the ambulance service for the code if there's no one available okay. at the time. Okay. But have you? Le- but have you learned anything from this? I have learned from it. But where, 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 where do I go on it? Do I put the code up for other people to come? Right, yeah, it might save life, but you might also have a vandalise, and what what good is it to anyone then? Yeah, you know they're not cheap to buy. You know, we is that defibrillator? Is that defibrillator registered? Yeah. Is it registered? Euros. Is it registered? It's registered with the ambulance service since the seventeenth of January. Okay. okay, okay, so they would have they would they have, have details yeah, of its they, location. It's okay. definitely registered, and they would have had the code. Okay, okay, thanks, Anya. Thanks you for know, taking I'm the call. I'm shocked, and as I say, we do pass on our sincere condolences okay. to that man's family and friends at the sad time. You know, and so say all of us. Thanks and for I taking the call. And I think maybe we need to put more awareness out there on how to gain access to defibrillators that are in storage boxes. Well, just in, I mean, just in case it were, were ever to happen again, happen again it, it yeah. would also be good if, say, for instance, all of staff knew exactly where the code was, every yeah. single person, everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Anya. Thanks for taking the call. And it's Anya Murphy from the Hot Bar. You can text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Prindeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, our lines are open. Text 086-8104-106. Can I just mention, because I ran out of time before I did this, and I want to mention it because the gig is tomorrow night. Paddy Keenan is playing Debarra's in Clonakilty for the first time since uh, February of 2020. Paddy Keenan, one of the greatest Ilham Pipers this country has ever produced. I mean, an absolutely incredible talent. I bought my ticket yesterday. It's on in Debarra's tomorrow night, around about a quarter to nine till midday, midnight, I should say. And if you're a fan or you weren't aware of it, get down there because it will sell out. Um, he played with the Bothy Band many years ago. I remember at the time Donald Lunny, uh, who also played with him, called him the Jimi Hendrix of the pipes. So he's playing in Debarra's tomorrow night and a lot of people are very excited about that, me included. Can I just also mention, because I'm a member of Pibra Ilan which is the Irish organization of, of pipers. They were in touch with him there recently um, because they're trying to get more people interested in playing Ilham pipes and picking up the pipes and giving them a blast. And they tour around the country, giving people of all ages an opportunity to strap on the pipes and try them. Uh, and apparently there's a Try the Pipes event, uh, event, event even, Try the Pipes event in Castle Lions Community Centre tonight. Um, and it's on from... Uh, half seven to half past nine. Now, I'm assuming that it's still on. And if Castle Lions want to get on to me to confirm whether it is or not, gives people an opportunity to strap them on and try them out between half past five and half past seven uh, tonight. And the public are welcome to go along. Here's some Piper's Play and things like that. Uh, but um, certainly Paddy Keenan at DeBorah's tomorrow night is going to be incredible. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Um, Mrs. Murphy. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to pick up uh, your Anya's mum. I'm, I'm Anya's mother, yeah, and I'm very upset. Okay. I mean, this is enough. There's a woman not five minutes from away from me grieving for her husband, and yeah. her children are grieving for their father this yeah. morning. Yeah. You put on, you put an awful lot on Anya. Anya does so much in this community that you know nothing whatsoever about. Anya was quite happy to come on and tell us about the was, defibrillator. She was, she had to. She is broken hearted. She said that, and I, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. Same now for a man that died in the area. I had nothing. I had nothing to do with Anya. If you ring the ambulance service, you're told where the defibrillator is. You're given a code. You go and you get it. But forgive and me for forgive me it. for interrupting. I did make that point on numerous occasions that if nine 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 felt I that her defibrillator an ambulance on Monday night for someone that was ill, and I was told there was. Where he was, and there was no defibrillator in the area. Yeah. Start CPR. Thanks for the God that man came around and he's in hospital. Yes. But Anya has now, has just put on her back. That if the heart bar had been open. No, the 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 only, no, the only, the only purpose was so that there wouldn't be any confusion in the future with regards to accessibility to a fibrillator. There's no confusion at all, Neil, and in respect to you now, there's not, and that woman this morning, that's great. Not four minutes from where that man died, there was a defibrillator in the CDP. There's a defibrillator in the in library, and there's a defibrillator in Mary Sumter School where yeah. the man collapsed. Yeah. No, there was three defibrillators in that area, way nearer than where the harpoon was. There was also one on the lock in the hearthstone. No. Why, 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 why weren't they? Caught? Why weren't they told about them? I don't want to if go into. I ring, when you ring an ambulance service, you are told where your nearest defibrillator is, and you're given the code. I'm assuming so, that this misfortunate incident happened closest to the heart bar. You see, the, 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 
But I'm telling you, you know, I live in Bellevue. It didn't happen closest to that bar. There were other ones closer. closer. There was closer. There were. There was one in the school where the man outside the school where the man collapsed. There was one in that school. Now my niece was here yesterday. There's two more going into Bellevue. But if they put one in outside, you have to have cameras, and one is putting in, uh, providing cameras for it to go in Paris Square, and there's another one going up, or another company. Yeah. My niece has yeah, to there seems to, to be quite an amount. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. the, the only one of the only reasons them, that you, you would have to have cameras yeah, up. I know. But it's Anya this morning. She's done so much. On Christmas Day, she cooked five dinners and brought them round to people in the area that yeah. had no food. Yeah. No, did you do that, Neil? Or anyone else belong to, but she does. Yeah, and she's broken hearted over that girl this morning because that girl is an neighbour of mine and has been a neighbour of mine where I was born and reared myself. And I'm broken hearted for her this morning. Well, I received but a number of emails and, 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 and well, I, I received a number of emails and texts from members of the public who said that there was confusion over the defibrillator and the code. And that's but, the last thing you want. I mean, it would be an awful lot better if there was a sign on defibrillators that said. Call 999 for the is, code. There is, there is, you'd call 999 for a code. When you call, if a man collapses with a heart attack, do you call 999? Yeah. Or do you do it yourself? Well, you start, you, you uh, well, I think you start CPR if you know it, but yeah. you certainly you should call be calling 999. 999. As well. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then you get the code of the defibrillator. But there, there no, certainly, there was certainly was no. What? That woman, there's a woman grieving her. I'm not saying anymore. There's a woman. No, I, I went to great lengths to offer our condolences. This is this is only on this is only about confusion when people went looking for the code. That's all. And if it can be made simpler, and a system can be in place everywhere, and we can all learn from it, then there won't be yeah. any confusion going forward. That's all. But but I should have. Why weren't the other defibrillators where they were? Why weren't they contacted this morning? That I, they weren't that they weren't given a quarter that weren't used. I, I, if you I, ring the ambulance service, you'll get the code, and that's as simple as that. Everyone knows that. If a person is getting a heart attack, you ring an ambulance. You're given a code if there's a defibrillator in the area. You go and you get it. If you don't ring the ambulance service, you don't get the code. If the ambulance service if said, well, I, 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 no, I said code. that. If the ambulance service had said that you need a yes. defibrillator, they would have said it, and yes. the ambulance service did not say that. They did not. No, they didn't. So why is Anya to take the blame on her shoulders this morning for something that she had nothing because to do they, with? Because the people that came upon the misfortunate man rang the harp bar for the code. But the harp bar didn't open until 12 o'clock yesterday morning. The only one was a man cleaning up outside the harp bar. That's but somebody, a, but no, but no, no, I know, but like, like, to be accurate, somebody answered the phone and said they didn't know the code. So I'm just the trying to make sure that... The man was outside. There was no phone call. The man was asked outside. The man was cleaning up. I did the court. And he said no. I, I, I understand. I understand. Um, and, 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 you, and you seem to believe that if somebody sneezed outside the heart bar, people I would do. be complaining about... You'd, you'd be on the next morning saying they caused COVID need because you, whatever you have against the half hour, and it's not about the half hour today, it's about a woman grieving it's for not, her husband. It's not, it's her, a, I, 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 I think that's very, I think that's very unfair. I, I think that's it's incredible. Unfair, no, it is unfair because unfair. I don't have any agenda whatsoever. But but if yes. other people get in touch with me with regards to, and I know there was issues regarding the students at Christmas, but I think the harp but learned but a lot from that in the past and they run a, they run a much better show now. 
But it, it only was out at half past seven in the morning when the students were around. I, un- I know that. But, but th- if someone gets so drunk in the pub, only will drink drive them home at night time. Listen, I have no axe to grind in any way, shape or form. Yeah. In fact, I get, I get accused of the opposite to what you're accusing me of regarding trying to be fair and balanced about it. But if people contacted me with regards to a defibrillator that couldn't be opened, we have to learn from that and make it better going forward, that's all. Yeah, but you don't have to put the guilt on to a woman this morning that's broken-hearted as it is, because she's... I'm not putting, I'm not putting, guilt, on, I'm not well. putting like, guilt on anybody. I'm not putting you know, guilt on anybody. You know, she that, that, that the widow's brother, like, they're great friends. You know, I, I'm not, it's, I'm, it's I'm, terrible. It's on her. It's on okay. her nail this morning when you rang her. The guilt was on her. Okay. Because she rang me, and I'm sorry. And I'm sick to my stomach, and I'm sick to my stomach that anything is on this morning about that man. When people should be thinking of his wife and children. And everybody is thinking of his wife and children, but also, no, there's no, there's no arguments. It's just about making sure that access to codes are available when they're needed yes. most by they everyone. Are, if you ring an ambulance or give them the code of the defibrillator. And I've said that numerous times that if the ambulance service felt to just... But if the ambulance service thought it was a defibrillator needed, they'll give you the code. I said that. No, Mrs. Murphy, I said that this morning already on numerous occasions. That actually the case is that if a 999 call resulted in somebody answering the phone and saying, you need a defibrillator, here is the code, that would have happened. It didn't. I called an ambulance Monday night. The ambulance stayed on the phone with me for seven minutes telling me what to do, how to cope, how to look after the person. And the ambulance were there in seven minutes and they were still on the phone to me. The person that took the call was still on the phone to me talking mm. when the three ambulance men came in mm. to help. Okay, okay. Uh, they didn't, like that man, thanks for the God, he is grand. But like, I couldn't fault the ambulance service, but they didn't, give, they weren't obviously called or didn't give the code. They didn't give didn't the code. Needed. If they felt it was yeah. needed, they'd have given it they and they didn't. They I've code. said exactly yeah. what you've said. Incidentally, yeah. Anne says, um, with regards to the Harp Bar, uh, they yeah. get a bad time. But as neighbours, we are very grateful to Anya. On the cold nights, she puts salt out for neighbours and I'm very grateful to her. And now she has a defibrillator outside the harp, which is fantastic. We would like to say... We would like to say as neighbours, thank you, Anya. There you go. And I would like to say, as my daughter, thank you. And to that man's wife, who is my neighbour, my heart is broken for her this morning and for her children. Yeah. And to think that anything like this would have happened at the heart bar would have got the name but they couldn't open the defibrillator is wrong when the ambulance services thought if it was needed they would have given They would have. Code. I said that. I, I said that. Yeah. But that, that's that's not an issue I'm here. It, 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 it's not, it shouldn't have been an issue at all. He's sworn in it. Okay, I'm, well, I mean... I'm going... I, I, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, well, listen, now you're upset. I know. Okay, thank okay. you. Thank Goodbye, you. Appreciate sorry. that. Sylvia, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Are you are you at the heart bar? I tell you what now. I uh, would have been the member of staff that would have been coming in yesterday. Yeah. Now, yeah, we don't open until 12 o'clock Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on a normal day. And sorry to continue doing because I can hear the back. You're grand. So I would have been the first member of staff who would have been on on, on um, the premises yesterday. The other member of staff who's there, he only does the odd jobs. He, wouldn't, he normally wouldn't have been there anyway because we don't open till 12 on these three days just by chance he was there. So... No one would have rung the bar and gotten an answer in the bar yesterday until I came on the premises. I would be the one to answer. So the minute I did turn up on the premises, 
he came up to me and said, a couple came up looking to be birth. At about, he, half 11, about a half 11 yesterday morning. Yeah, I came in at 20 to a quarter to 12. Yeah. So when I did come in, John came up to me straight away, said to me, there's a couple looking for the defibrillator. He didn't know the, as you know, he didn't know the code. And so immediately, you s- started. Yeah, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit, Sylvia. Immediately what? Um, immediately I text Anya because as customers started coming into the bar, they started on about somebody getting a heart attack and I put two two together. So I text Anya straight away saying somebody must be trying to get into the defibrillator. She said she'd get onto the ambulance crowd, like she said before, because there should have been a code. Now there is a number like the 999. Um, outside, it's open. As, as I said, the box is on the wall. At like at 12 o'clock at night, if somebody's looking for it, they could go up to it, but you'd have to get the code. Yeah. It's easy access to get to the, the box. I, n- I didn't know off. that the code was available from anybody else except 999. The code is available. We, our, we have the code. All, yeah. our staff okay. have, all the ca- okay. members of the staff have the code. Okay. The code is also available from the ambulance services. Like you said, if somebody got a bit like that poor man yesterday got the heart attack, they will say, Where, your nearest to the people is... ABC, I d- I know. this is the code, go get it. I know, I, but I, I, and I don't want to be going into a lot of detail yeah. in that regard because there are a family mourning and somebody did oh, pass away like, yesterday. Like I said, I the minute I said to Anya, she was so upset. We were all, we were all somber in the bar yesterday. Yeah. The, there was nothing but high um, praise for that poor man. Um, we were all keeping an eye all day to make sure how things were going. Um, unfortunately, it took a, it didn't go the way we were hoping. And can I say um, again for I don't I know said, how many times that if the if nine 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 had said that you need to go to the yes, nearest defibrillator, where is yes, it, and here is the code, that and, would have happened. It didn't. And unfortunately, the the the, the, the day that we're in, lifeboats, defibrillators, they all have to be locked away because of vandalism, and yeah. that's the way the city has gone. That's the way the country, that's the way the world has gone. Yeah. But. It's just unfortunate because we, we wake up this morning. I woke up this morning thinking about that poor man. You know, the, the first thing we're talking about on our, our chat is about that poor man. Yeah. Do you know, because a life has been lost. A life that we don't know if, 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 that, if any defibrillators, if all defibrillators have been opened, people can get them. But that's not the way it is these days. And like I said, and, and, you, and you did point out, Neil, that if the ambulance probably um, felt he needed it, they were given it. But maybe they ran up straight away thinking there's one and a half, we'll get it there. But it's, out, but it's but outside, isn't it? It's not inside. It's outside. It's yeah. outside in the So it is accessible. And if 999 said you need 24/7. it, here's the code. It's accessible yeah. 24-7. Okay, okay. okay. 24-7. Um, but yeah. as I said, no one, anyone, there's no one could have, they could have rung the bar, but they would have, anyone would, no one would have answered until I came in. And I was coming in at 20 to 12. I was on at 12. My shift was in there. Actually, there was a customer in when I got in at quarter to 12. He would have be, uh, waiting yeah, for me. Yeah, I understand. But as I, I said, listen, I, I arrived up at 20 to 12. I'm, I'm and the minute I'm, I got there, I'm only, I'm, John listen, said it to me, know, you know? I'm only following up on a number of yeah. emails and texts from people yeah. who are referencing the fact that when somebody yeah. went looking for a code, they couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. It's so unfortunate that. And on a normal day, we would have been, like before, we we had done open till 12 now on, on these days. It would have been half, half 10. One of us would have been there, you know? Okay. But then again, when you think of that as well, Neil, in the middle of the night, God, if something happened, you know, we're not there 24-7. But that, that is there. There's a number to ring and they'll give you the code. Um... What the, what, you know that, that and they that did, and they did call, and the ambulance service did not, or nine 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 did not you know? reference anything you know? about a defibrillator. You know? yeah. I understand. It's just unfortunate I understand. Night. No, I was not. Yeah. No, I just was calling okay. the heart bar for clarity on it. I mean, I understand. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're all. I understand that you're very upset. And, yeah. and as people have said prior to me, there she does 
so much with the community. She has the community at her heart and soul. And she will take this now on her back with a big, heavy load. Well, that's a sad. That's sad because you know? if a defibrillator had been needed, she feels that, you know, 999 would have said it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Thanks, exactly. Sylvia. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Text 0868 104106. Uh, conscious of a family grieving and all and 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 all that they have to deal with. So let's be cognizant of that. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. Actually, I tell you what, I'm going to park the break for now because I want to get uh, the gardening and horticulturalist expert who's put aside five or ten minutes for me uh, following up on yesterday's conversation on fruit and veg. I'm talking about the great Peter Dowdall. I was asking this morning, do people grow their own? Are there allotments? Do people do it in their own back gardens anymore? Peter, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And for the five minutes I have with you, do people, are there allotments? Are people growing their own veg? We used to do it back in the day in the back garden. Is that gone now? No, it's not, actually. It's, it's nearly the opposite. And I suppose one of the big positives, if not the only positive, to come out of the whole lockdown period was people's kind of developed, many people who had you know, never developed it before, developed a love affair with gardening and with growing their but own But did they food. keep it up after COVID, though? Like a lot well, of Well, this other... is a big question, isn't it? I, I suppose a percentage have. Time will tell what that percentage is. Obviously, not everybody has because okay. they've gone yeah. back to real life. But a lot of people have kept it up, yeah. Can you rent uh, an allotment, then? You can. You can rent an allotment. Now, off the, off the top of my head, I can't tell you where there, there is availability. I knew the, there was some, uh, the, the late, lovely Brian Ludgate had some going up there in Rochestown. Uh, and I know there's community gardens going around the place, in, uh, and, there's, and there's several up in the north side, yeah. uh, community gardens, and there's a community gardens in Toker and in Douglas. Uh, so there's lots of community gardens where you can get involved as well. And what are they growing? In public spaces. What are they growing? They're growing every, everything, uh, any kind of fruit and veg you can think of. I was just down in the Douglas Park during the week, actually, with Tara there from the Tidy Towns, and the community gardens, which is slightly separate, well, it is separate, but it's in the park there in Douglas as well, and they've little polytunnels going, and the Ronan Clark, I know, is, is kind of head and tail of that, and, and, and Douglas Men's or Grains Men's Shed, and they're growing great stuff. They're growing, like, you can grow, you know, nearly anything you want to eat, Neil, you can grow in terms of fruit Some and need veg. the polytunnel, others don't need it at all. A lot of veg wouldn't need any kind of a polytunnel. Your standard stuff, like your peas and your carrots and your spuds and stuff like that. And they need it, they need it now to start the seeds off, let's say, but later in the summer, absolutely not. Yes. But one important point to anybody who's thinking about trying it is, you know, the whole food scare, or the, the, the vegetable scarcity that we're talking about in the UK and a bit of it happening across Europe, but mostly in the UK, it, it does bring up the bigger conversation about our food security and there's a staggering statistic, Neil, that about four chemical companies, or four, you know, big corporations, rather, they control 50% of the world's seed, food seed. I'm not talking about the food, now, but I'm talking about the seed. So they can control who grows what, if you like. So that's, that's a bit scary in itself. We import an awful lot of the potatoes that we eat, we import into Ireland, which mm. is crazy. Mm. Um, and so much of this can be done at home. There's, there's only two Irish companies, to the best of my knowledge, that sell Irish-produced open-pollinated seed that's brown envelopes down in West Cork and seed savers up in Clare. And the importance of that, Neil, is that, you see, if, if we're growing F1 hybrid seed from, from these corporations, they're, they're one generation and then they're useless. We can't collect the seed. Well, we can collect the seed from yeah. them, but it's not going to necessarily give us what we want. So open-pollinated seed means that if we get seeds from brown envelope in, in West Cork or our seed savers in Clare or wherever we get the, the, the Irish seed, if we collect seed from it, 
well then if it's a tomato plant and we collect the tomato seed well it's going to give us the same tomato uh, and we're independent of the corporations mm. then, which we need to be we, mm. need to be we need to be some bit food, food secure we're This gives us a fright though doesn't it when we hear of shortages because of uh, very cold climate that you wouldn't normally see in the likes of Spain and Italy or you know I heard of drought as well during the week it's a very changed world isn't it and, and we can see it then when our, our supply lines are affected certainly with well, regards to fruit and veg if you go back to 2019 or the end of 2019, start of 2020, and look at the frights that we've got since then and look at the way that we've just realised how quickly so much can change. You know, these frights without scaremongering, you know, the world can change in, in an instant. Can't We've seen that over the last three years. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is time to, to, I think, be cognizant of this, that, that it's so easy, Neil, to grow our own food. I mean, I, I, I know time is against us now, but... A quick search for people online. There's plenty of gardening talks around the place and there's, there's plenty of information out there. And, and gardeners are a nice bunch. We're only too happy to share information. And so, what are the so, easy ones to grow in Ireland? Look at what I would always say look at what you would like to eat. So there's no point growing stuff that you're not going to eat. So uh, the easiest of all are things like lettuce in your salad crops, salad leaves, you know, radish, beets, things like that. Carrots, potatoes couldn't be easier. I really mean this, Neil. You put something in the soil, it's going to grow. You yeah. give it sunlight, you give it water, it's yeah. going to grow. Yeah. Everything after that is an extra. How what about the tomatoes and, and the peppers and the cucumbers and strawberries and raspberries? Do they need tunnels then indoors or what? Strawberries and raspberries, no, they're also very, very easy. You'll you just have a, a kind of constant battle with maybe birds and slugs and pests. Yeah. But, but you get into that. Believe me, you get into that. It yeah. becomes an addiction. But the, the tomatoes and peppers and things like that, yes, they're, they're slightly more tricky in that you, you really need to keep them indoors in this country unless we get an exceptional summer. But, um, but they would need to be kept indoors. But again, there's not that much know-how needed. None of this is rocket science, Neil. It's, it's, it's just time. It's, it does take time. But uh, none of it is rocket science. And nothing tastes as good as, uh, you know, growing yourself, sure it doesn't. And, and also, there's sake, also yeah. the added enjoyment of the achievement. Absolutely. And you know what? It's a great, the taste, absolutely. You, you, you'd never eat a shop-bought tomato again, but <laughs> the, the, it's a great the achievement. But also, it's a fabulous way to get kids involved. So if you have kids uh, growing their own veg, it's mo- they're much more likely to eat it, do you know? Is spinach easy and rocket and things like that? Are they easy enough? Straightforward. Oh, very. But spinach, rocket, all those kind of leaf crops and those salad leaves, very, very easy. You, 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 you plant some seed now in a seed tray or even in the open ground and, you know, six or eight weeks later you're, you're eating it. You know, so it's not that long a wait and very, very easy. Yeah. So the, a way of getting your kids to eat their vegetables, get them to grow and plant them and grow them in themselves. Absolutely, and an awful lot of primary schools now, of course, are, are doing this in the classroom. For another day, perhaps, I think that this should be on the school curriculum. It's so important, but, uh, but a lot of primary schools are doing it off their own back. And I think that's great because if kids know how easy it is, it's where I got the gardening bug, Neil, not in school, but at that age, I saw how easy it was to put something in, 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 in soil and suddenly it grows and then I can eat it. And or to, watch it grow, to watch it yeah. grow, to watch it grow is incredible. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'd be running home from school watching them germinate, I really would. Okay, one final thing because I know you're under pressure. Where is the best one-stop shop? If somebody's listening now and says, I'm going to try this, I have the space for it, I have the time and I want to experience the taste. Where should they start? first things first don't the, the, the feedback I get from people who have started uh, they've grown too much so don't take on too much because it does take time so that's the first thing I'd say to you don't take on too much start with a trip to your local garden centre that's the best thing I can say to you because there's 
qualified horticulturists down there on tap that are only too happy to give information as to what you can grow and how to grow it. Maybe get yourself a little raised bed. Maybe you're just in an apartment. You could get a, a little window box or pot or you can get these green wall systems where you can grow fruit, veg and herbs on your wall. Um, but the first first part of call, I would always say to people, your local garden centre, because you have such a resource of knowledge down there. Oh, your good self, even online at the irishgardener.com. You can always contact me online. I'd be too happy to help, absolutely. All right, my man, mind yourself. Have a good day today. Thanks for talking. Thank Appreciate you, it. The great Peter Dowdall. So start small, but do start. Um, it's been me. I mean, I was great years and years ago, but stopped. Uh, my, actually, what we started to do recently enough is, or at least my dad did, he started, I uh, got little plants, like you can get little grape plants, little vines. You can get little orange plants. You can get little lemon plants. And the lemons are quite effective, actually, particularly, as I'm told, particularly in a gin and tonic. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I've been sent, I have a photograph of the defibrillator that was sent to me from, where was that one again? It was a carry tool, carry tool, and it has the access code on it, the actual code number. It's a letter and four digits. Um, uh, others then have been sent photographs of our defibrillators without the code on it. And it's, it's a fairly simple question to ask where there isn't a code on the defibrillator. And a lot of the time there isn't because they could be vandalized. If it was a code on it, somebody would take it out. And it, they would be vandalized. I think it's a wonderful thing that the one in carry tool hasn't been. But in the city, we had them smashed up um, on a number of occasions on Oliver Plunkett Street, for instance. There wasn't a code on it. They just smashed it up. So in the in the case where there isn't a code on the defibrillator, why isn't there, um, and I'm open to correction on that, but why isn't there a sign on the defibrillator to say, for access code, dial 999? What it does say on them is, one, call emergency services, dial 999 or 112 and ask for an ambulance. Two, start CPR. Three, use defibrillator. Four, continue until ambulance arrives. Wouldn't it make a big difference if it said on those warnings, call emergency services, dial 999-112, ask for an ambulance, and if needed, ask for a defibrillator code. Wouldn't that be much more simple? It would avoid confusion. I mean, I'm not revisiting this story again from yesterday, but there certainly was confusion. And that's all I'm trying to avoid. Anyway, they're just my thoughts on it. Keep your calls coming. Text 0868-104-106. Um, uh, there are a lot of other topics actually regarding uh, text this morning, particularly the conversation with David Babington and what happened to him in the streets of Cork on Sunday night. And I'll come back to those as well. But I just want to stay with the stay with phone calls. Gillian, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Well, I'm good. Um, uh, I haven't been in a supermarket for a few days now, so I don't know what the story is with regards to the fruit and veg aisles. Do you? Is there a shortage? I do. Um, there is. Um, there's, it's tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers seems to be the shortage. And there's insect burgers now in Lidl, if you haven't seen it. There are what? Uh, insect burgers and a lot of um, different items with insects inside in it. As in, <laughs> as in the burgers made from insects? Yeah, yeah, with insects inside, yeah. I've got to try that. I don't know, I wouldn't be, I'd prefer my steak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, you. so you're seeing a shortage by virtue of the yeah. fact that a lot of it we don't grow anymore. Never did with yeah. some of them, but no more with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think. Now, I, I suppose like we do grow our own vegetables and we started a few years ago, to be honest, I suppose about two years ago with the vegetables. But How did you start? Chicken. Um, well, I started, I suppose, 10 years ago originally, I, we probably started with strawberries in um, raised beds. I think that was the first thing I started growing. 
and that was it went from there to getting chickens and then as I moved house we started getting we started going into more from potatoes to berries to grapes to raspberries strawberries everything really we even exhausted Honey, we I think you even, got well. bee, you even got bees in did you yeah we last year was the first year we have now two beehives and the bees are perfect we've been checking on them um, so we've had um, our first year of summer actually making our own honey. So we got about maybe eight jars of honey from one hive last year. So it was, Amazing. It was and, great. And, um, and uh, like just with regards to the chickens, you, you rear the chickens to eat the chickens? Oh, we, you, Noel, the chickens we have are for eggs at the moment. Okay. But my husband is actually building a coop now for, um, for, bo- for broilers. He wants to get into doing it a little bit, you know, for the kids as well, you know. And is all this um, in the back garden? Yeah. yeah. Is, is it a big garden? Um, about three quarters of an acre. Oh, it's enormous then. Um, it's enough. But like, <laughs> um, everything you've described there almost sounds like full time to me. I mean, did you really um, ratchet well, up it during... from March, to be fair now. From, at the moment, it's not too bad because we were only starting to set like tomatoes now. And it's a, it's a bit messy now because it, everything is in little, little yogurt cartons and you're trying to grow them from seeds, you know. But they'd be in so, a glass house, wouldn't they? Um, at the start, I'd start, we'd start in the house. We do have a glass house, a small one. My husband made it from windows. But um, like that now, we start literally from everything from seeds. We'd put them inside first on the windows and then we'd put them, transfer them to the glass house then. Right. Um, and then you put them into bigger containers and you go from there really, you know. And they taste incredible, don't they? Yeah, I mean, to with be salt. fair, he puts most of the work in, I'll be honest with you. I do the jams and I do the soups and, you know, use the veg in different ways. And, like, to be honest, we had our own beetroot up to last week. Um, you know, so it was great, really. You know, we've had yeah. potatoes up to a few weeks ago. So, I mean, we, we felt, I suppose, as the last man was saying, start small and continue on. I think that's the way to go. Because but I we're think you really turned up now. the heat during COVID, did you? We did, yeah. I suppose we were, my husband was off. We were we had loads of time in our hands, to be honest. Then, and we really went for it. And I suppose, look, we we did put a lot of work into it. To be fair, okay. So, what great. different types of veg now? Um, we have beetroot, onions, garlic, um, carrots. Actually, was the hardest vegetable. Believe I found we found three attempts even last year. It can be hit and miss with the carrots. Um, Brussels sprouts, um, what else now? Yeah, celery, um, I suppose lettuce, all your kind of salad leaves and things like that. Amazing. Grapes, all our fruits. Grapes? Um, and are the grapes yeah. edible? They, yeah, they're actually, they actually are. We have them in the glass house, yeah. So you're going to make wine next, I suppose, if you're making honey. I don't know, I haven't tried that one yet, so I'll have to look for recipes. If you get me a recipe, I might try that one. <laughs> Amazing. Right. Yeah, and will so, like you know you're saying you're going to get into broiler chickens. The kids um, will never allow you to eat the chickens, though. They just won't. I I would run away from the house probably, but um, yeah, I think he might. Like my husband grew up in Eastern Europe, and he grew up from a child growing um growing everything. Really, they were very they're very self sufficient people. To be fair to them, and I suppose like he would have had a lot of knowledge, and he grew up very healthy that way, and yeah. they would have stored all of their food underground and everything, you know. So apart from um, the carrots that were difficult, no other failures, no? Everything thrived? Everything thrived, to be fair now, yeah. Yeah, I think onions are the easiest to grow, and garlic would be another one, I would say, if you're starting, would be another very easy one. Amazing. Salad leaves, things like that, and or even strawberries, like the strawberries come back every year. Now we do change them around into different bedding because they do, you know, they don't grow as much if spuds? you don't change them out. You know, spuds, you go, yeah. um, spuds are good enough, but do you know what? We don't spray anything. We really want to go the natural way if we can. 
Um, they do come up to be fair now, obviously, a good, a good fertiliser and you're kind of laughing really manure or something like that, you know. Um, so you really have to, test, you know, mess around with different things, all right. But I think it is the way to go. I think even if you can just do a small bit, it's just even to try it as, you know, as the last man was saying, the taste is totally different. It's so what would your, you know, totally different taste. So what, mm. what would your advice yeah. be to somebody who might want to start? What, what veg or um, what fruit would you recommend? I would start with strawberries, strawberry plants and tomato plants. Tomatoes are quite easy to grow. Right. You can grow them anywhere, windows, anywhere, in boxes, in baskets. They're very simple, really. Just give it a go. Just give, give it, a, it go. a go. Don't yeah, be afraid. Yeah, and I think, you know, I see even with the way things are going, like even you, you probably hear, like you have, you know, the government are to tell the, you know, the farmers to cut back on the cattle and cull them and I think as we see now with insect burgers inside in little and places, it's making me more determined to grow more if I'm honest <laughs> I'm open you know. to trying an insect burger actually Oh Jesus, Neil. <laughs> nice crunchy, nice crunchy burger. Taste, but I, I couldn't imagine it. No. Let's see if I can pick one up later on. Hit it, bang it into my 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 trusty air fryer. See how it comes out. <laughs> All right, Gillian. Take care. Thanks, Cheers. Bye. Bye. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. We just got talking there because of the shortage of uh, fruit and veg coming in from uh, Europe and across Europe and North Africa that was wondering as to whether people grow much there of their own. Uh, interesting chats in that regard. Years ago, people did very much in the back garden. We were a lot more self-sufficient in that regard. Indeed, you know, we had, even had farmers growing veg back then. Of course, that was very much discouraged over the years. But um, an interesting call here from Jim Mannix, who's a teacher at Skullvera in Tool. Jim, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Uh, your students, though, actively um, cultivate, grow fruit and veg, do they? Well, we have a lovely little school garden at the back. We have a lovely spot. It's very sheltered and sunny. So um, what we do every year, yeah, is we bang in um, different types of uh, fruit and vegetables. And the children, well, they get to see them going from seed to plate, I suppose, you know, that kind of way. So that's good. Yeah, and uh, do they look after them, the cultivation and the, the, the watering or the, the feeding or whatever the case may be themselves? They do indeed. Well, um, obviously the teachers would take a supervisory role or whatever, but uh, as the confidence grows or whatever like that, um, certain individuals might get a chance to go out and water the plants okay, as needed, okay. you know. And so do, they get to pick, do they get to pick what they can grow in their own bed or half bed? Uh, well, we would generally say, look, would you mind guys growing these ones? Because uh, ideally you have to stick your brassicas together and different things and you have to rotate plants, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, so um, yeah, this yeah. year you might grow this and the next year you might grow something else. You what know, what kind, kind of, of fruit and veg in the primary school are they growing? Well, we have a lovely raspberries, we get strawberries, we have a few different trees in apple trees and pear trees in pots, and then we um, we would grow potatoes, obviously, we would grow um, leeks, we would grow onions. Oh, that's amazing, man. That's that amazing. You're giving them incredible um, grounding, aren't you? Sprouts? Yeah, we would. Sprouts, uh, sprouts are great because they grow into the winter, you know, so you have them there to, to see, you know. And um, they, they develop a fabulous interest, I'd say, in, in uh, things like this. Uh, well, yeah, you know, some of them will take to it and some of them won't. Um, I met a man, uh, well, I had him into my own garden in my house, actually, uh, putting in beds and... He told me his life had been changed by uh, doing school, doing work in the school garden. That he found out that he was into 
uh, gardening and stuff like that and that was his profession now you know that kind yeah, of way yeah absolutely so that's that's what you hope for you know that kind of way but um, um and it's a great resource then for the children who aren't academic or you know from the unit or whatever like that totally they, and um, who gets to eat all of these beautiful things well it just depends um sometimes an sna might say can i have a bit or the uh different pupils then would uh, maybe as a reward if they wanted to they could go and, and and pick something like that you know and occasionally a teacher might make a soup or something like that and serve it to everybody you know um, is that the same school that used uh upcycle tractor tires tires and bicycle tires and jam jars and um, you know, well, we have we have we have used all of those in the back in the garden. I don't know if that's the one you're thinking of. Converted no, into we don't a have a we don't have one of those. I'm afraid that would be cool, though. <laughs> Maybe that's a different. Is, <laughs> is, is, yeah. is the school skull Clucker Vura Caractool? Clucker Vura is up the road now. They have a lovely setup as well. Oh, they you're have, rocking um, in Caractool. Then we're getting the hands have, down into the earth. They have a they have a tunnel and everything. You know, we're jealous of them. <laughs> you know, but, uh, bit of competition going on then. Ah, yeah. Well, we're moving. Um, uh, our particular school is moving to a new the new campus uh, hopefully next year you know so uh, um, bring the garden with you we'll have to bring we'll have to well we'll have to we'll have to make new arrangements but hopefully yes we'll, we'll continue the uh, the pattern of of learning please god uh, we, listen all it's not all about the books there's lots of other yeah, ways exactly. to learn and get exactly. your head out of a book fair play to you Jim yeah, thanks for yeah, taking yeah. the call take care no problem talk to you soon cheers uh, it's a fabulous sense of achievement as well isn't it from out of the earth and onto a place you know, by virtue of the fact that you cook it and then put it onto a plate. In fact, there, there's interesting research out with regards to um, plate sizes. If you compare the size of a dinner plate now to the size of a dinner plate, say, in the 1970s, I'll come back to this a little later on. I can tell you one thing. The dinner plates now are much, much bigger. If you ever look at the old photographs of the old black and whites and you see people, particularly if they're eating, if that's your kind of thing, um, you'll notice that... That, that I was saw a survey, I was reading an article recently. They were talking about the food kitchens uh, in the history magazine uh, that I get, and they were showing the food kitchens um, from during the Second World War that were set up all over the UK, where they literally had these uh, converted community halls where everybody went to eat because there was food shortages. So you went there for your dinner, but there was rows and rows of people sitting at tables eating a dinner. And the one thing that struck me was the portion, the size of the portion. And it was all because of the size of the plate. Like, it would be almost like a starter portion for many people now. Uh, so they've got much bigger, among other things. I'll come back to it after, t- after 11. You can text 0868104106. Sad news, lads, this morning. The legendary soccer commentator, John Motson, has died. He had a 50-year career with the BBC. Uh, we all know his voice. He died at the age of 77. He covered 10 World Cups, 10 European Championships, 29 FA Cup Finals for the BBC, and he retired only in 2018. He was properly known as Motti, and of course presented Match of the Day since 1971. I mean, he was one of the go-to sports voices, wasn't he? And certainly the go-to sports voice uh, for soccer commentary. Uh, here's just a little montage uh, of some of his more iconic, memorable moments. Now Tudor's gone down for Newcastle. Radford again. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Radford the scorer. Ronnie Radford. And the crowd. The crowd are invading the pitch. Crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Wimbledon have destroyed Liverpool's dreams of the double. 
Her Royal Highness applauds one of the great cut shocks of all time. Tigana, two to his right, and Platini through the middle. Tigana again. Tigana! Tigana! Platini! Goal! Platini for France with a minute to go. It's 3-2. I've not seen a match like this in years. He won't be shaken off. And in the end, the German bench get up and protest at Gascoigne's last challenge. He has actually, Gascoigne, got a yellow card. Now, oh dear. Oh dear me. He's going to be out of the final if England get there. For the tackle on number 14, Berthold, Gascoigne has had his second yellow card of the competition. And here is a moment that almost brings tears to his eyes. Free kick given. Paulson put his arms up. Is it over? It is! It's dramatic. It's delightful. It's Denmark who are the European champions. Dramatic is delightful. It's Denmark. I love his play with words, and he had an encyclopedic knowledge of the game, and of course, always wore the trademark sheepskin coats. But I'd say it would be very cold up in those gantries across the winter months. Commentating, tough job, and he passed away at the age of seventy-seven. It was that was interesting? Those different clubs, uh, clips there from FA Cup third rounds and FA Cup finals and Euros and the World Cup semi-final England against. West Germany at the time um, but it was also interesting to hear that back in the day they commentated down telephone lines you know sometimes bad telephone lines I mean you know we've changed so much and come on so far from broken down telephone lines that could break in the middle of commentaries and things like that anyway sadly he's passed away and that's sad news uh, one of the good ones gone John Matson, Motti I'm Rory and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench that's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM this is the Neil Frienderville Show uh, listening to the programme earlier this morning uh, to my conversation with David Babington um, who was attacked and uh, ended up unconscious on the streets of Cork on Sunday night uh, Adeline says I just wanted to say I worked with David for several years and I'm absolutely appalled and very upset over his attack he's incredibly respectful mannerly caring and a mega professional and a reliable gent he is one of the most genuine people I've ever met he's 100% more the man than the coward that attacked him He's a true family man, has super morals and standards. His beautiful daughter has the best parents possible. But I do feel sorry for any child that may have been the child of the attacker because he's clearly a pathetic human being that does not possess any of David's fantastic qualities. Uh, This message can be read out if you wish. I just wanted to get across what an exceptional person David is to anyone that does not know him personally. There needs to be very hefty prison sentences for anyone that engages in homophobic attacks. Whether it be verbal or physical, there's no room for bullies in our society, says Adeline. Um, it's a disgrace. Bear, bear in mind now, I haven't had a response from Garda Press in any way, shape or form. I will read the text out with a caveat, though. Um, I, 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 I'm not saying we have one side of the story. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's difficult to defend yourself when you're not in a position to be involved in the conversation. And, of course, the Gardaí 
never are allowed to do that. Uh, it's a disgrace, though. They don't ask winos to take off their clothes. I was arrested a lot of times. I was never told to take off any clothes, just my belt and laces. Uh, would you not think if the guardie came across someone who they thought fell over, that calling an ambulance would be the first protocol as opposed to bringing them to a cell, stripping them down to their underwear and socks? It doesn't add up. Uh, if I was David, I'd be asking for an inquiry. Morning, I got stupid drunk in Clonakilty five years ago. My friend left me. I fell and the guards picked me up. They let me make phone calls for some help, but eventually drove me to a friend's house where I sobered up before heading home. Uh, and then there are others uh, not unlike that, actually, with regards to, um, you know, help that people got from the Garda Shikona when they needed it. Uh, listening to the man that was put in a cell, I feel from. I also agree with what people are saying about what if it was a woman? Would the woman be put in the cell in just underwear and socks? Uh, but here's another what if. What if a person put in a cell like that chooses to go out without wearing any underwear? What would happen then? <laughs> That's an interesting question, I have to say. Um, please don't give up my details, but I had an experience with one Garda. Well, it says the Gardee a couple of years ago. When I read the text, I think it looks like as if it was just one guard. There was an accusation made against me, which I vigorously denied, and I was vindicated later in the courts. I was arrested and questioned about the allegations. I was released. But whilst waiting for the court case to get to court, I was getting phone calls from a member of the guards at all hours of the day and late evening. The phone calls were along the lines of, admit what you did, admit what you were accused of. My solicitor told me that uh, sometimes they do try to intimidate people. I was actually questioned about an incident when I wasn't even in the country, never mind the city where the incident occurred. Um, I thankfully stuck to my guns and was true to myself. So for a guard to try and bully me into admitting something that I didn't do was not a good experience. And that's why I think that most of the guardy. Oh, no, I can't say that, man. You're just completely and utterly generalizing. Uh, but anyway, uh, because you can't just make broad sweeping statements against an entire guard force. Anyway, the point being, when I went to court... The guardie were laughed out of court. The guard was laughed out of court because he had absolutely no evidence. Well done to you for sticking to your guns. There is an awful lot then with regards to defibrillators and issues like that. Um, and I understand that there are a lot of different emotions um, on that topic from early on this morning. But, however, I've been thinking about this the last 10 or 15 minutes. There is a family grieving um, uh, because a loved one died yesterday. And I think out of respect, uh, I, I'd be very, very cautious about reading the amount of text that I've got with regards to defibrillators or access to defibrillators or codes or what happened or what didn't happen, particularly with regards to the defibrillator um, uh, at the hot bar. Um, because a lot of people have you know, fairly, uh, let me just say that people are quite emotional about it, but the bottom line for me is that somebody has died here and again if something can be learned from it whereby access to it can be faster that the codes are available from whoever has them whether it's the premises or when the premises is closed whether it's the 999 if the call is made I don't want to be repeating myself um, but if and I have said this already but if the defibrillator was needed when people rang 999 999 would have given the defibrillator code. That's all I'm saying. Um, but there are one or two that I can read out. One says, my husband had a cardiac arrest a couple of years ago and thankfully survived. Afterwards, my whole family did a CPR course 
in case this would happen again. I called my local shop because they have a defibrillator on the gates of their premises and asked if I could speak to the manager so that I could get the code. He wasn't even aware that there was a defibrillator on the gate. He said he'd get some information and get back to me. They never did. I then called my local pharmacy as they also have one. Not one of the staff knew how to access the defibrillator or where to get the code. I then contacted my local TD. He told me he didn't know, but could I maybe contact my local guard station? I am now aware that I'm getting the code from calling 999. Only from your radio program this morning. Thank you for highlighting that. Um, that 999 would be the go-to phone number for access for a defibrillator code. As we found yesterday... It didn't work out when, you know, the pub was closed and there was no staff on the premises. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Can I just stay with with allotments, if you like? Because I was curious to know as to whether there are still allotments available that you can rent or lease, whatever the case may be. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Isn't it, though? And it's a great time to be outdoors. And I hope that you're on the allotment, are you? Not this morning, but I'll be up there in the afternoon. Okay, so where is it and what's being grown by whom? Okay, we are a community allotment and we're in Cove. And not too far, actually, from, from Cove Town itself. And uh, we are a group of about 42 people from all parts of the world. Um, Eastern Europe, Ireland, Britain, um, Syria, New York... So we have a wonderful, wonderful variety of, um, of allotmenteers out in Cove. Wow. And we grow all kinds of wonderful things. And we learn from each other. Like what's been grown? Fruit and veg of all sorts? Ve- yeah, fruit, uh, fruit, vegetables, tomatoes. We have one lady growing hops. We have another one or two um, has hives and bees. And we grow potatoes and we grow flowers and we grow... We usually have... Um, a competition then at the end of the year for the biggest uh, squash or the biggest cucumber or whatever. <laughs> so um, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful way to pass a couple of hours. What is the woman growing hops for? Is she brewing her own beer? Well, she says she's not. <laughs> but she says she likes to use them as a hop pillow. Seemingly, it encourages a deep, deep sleep. Well, I'll be so darned. Maybe on the QT, she's She's doing well, fair play to her. A hop pillow. Never heard of a that one before. Yeah, and now can, you learn something new every day. In, in 2023, can somebody just rent an allotment? Well, they're very, very popular, and we do have a waiting list. Ah. So what we do have, what we do have, we have like a, a stepping stone into into our allotment. In that, we've got these big, long community tunnels. And anybody can come out. We have some free available at the moment. They can rent a little patch within the tunnel and they can grow their tomatoes or their mushrooms or whatever they want to grow. And then once uh, they get a nice fee for the place, they go on the waiting list. And usually within a year or two, you get an allotment. And is it expensive? No, well, an allotment is 220. A big allotment for is 220 for the year a small one is 110 and you know in the UK they're mad keen for these kind of things you see the allotments and everybody is next to each other and they're all divided off but they all would seem to have sheds right and kettles and brewing tea and sitting outside on deck chairs and things well that has been known to happen as well out in our cove allotments what about a few barbecues yeah. no 
Well, oh, we do. We have we have a community barbecue every year, but uh, people then in their own little places do their own thing uh, on a very, very regular basis. Right. So and there's a lovely community spirit in Arilla. And is this anything just exclusive to Cove? Is it happening in the suburbs of Cork or other satellite of course, towns? I do know the council sponsors a lot of um, a lot of allotments in different places. Now, I'm not all okay with that because ours is a kind of we run it ourselves. And we're not hooked into the council, yeah. although they give us wonderful, wonderful support in the likes of grants and so on and so forth. Yeah, you're better off paddling your own canoe, though, aren't you? You've totally Well, if, if, if at all possible. Now, there is some talk at the moment. I'm not in the position to talk about it in detail, about some legal coverage for the councils. They're being, they're t- it's been taken away. But again, I just got a hint of that yesterday, and I'm not okay, I'm not okay with us to talk about it. But it's a worrying fact, and it's no harm to flag us. Okay. Okay. Well, continued success because you know, with the fright that we've get that we're getting at the moment, growing your own would seem to be the way to go, wouldn't it? But you know, Neil, you don't even need an allotment. You know, a little patch out the back, a bucket, will a bucket. You can grow potatoes in welly boots. You know, you really don't need an allotment. <laughs> Not somebody else's dirty, smelly welly boots. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so go on YouTube, go on DIY, go on any of the wonderful, wonderful sites that are there and there's nothing stopping anybody from growing their own. Alright, take care of yourself and thanks for taking the call Margaret. Thank you too. One Have of the callers day. earlier on was talking about insect burgers that are available in Lidl. Humans are not meant to be eating insects. Knock yourself out, but I for one will not be putting any insects into my mouth, says Stephen. <laughs> I'd still try it though. I intend to try it if they're there. Doesn't mean that I'll finish it. I remember the 1970s in uh, Columbus Boys School in Douglas, our teacher for fourth class Mr Mead had us set up and planted a big vegetable garden outside in the green area in the school. It was great to get out of the classroom for an hour every day to look after the veg and get rid of the weeds and see the vegetables growing. We also got to take them home. I still appreciate the earth and grow, and grow vegetables now in my 50s. Gardening and growing veg should be part of the primary school teaching, I think, says Tony in Douglas. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, you, you learn that as a young kid back in primary school and it has stood with you ever since. Um, I applied to be a student paramedic with the National Ambulance Service last August. The process is long and gruelling. I was told I got in and would be starting at the end of August. That process took a year. However, let me explain the process. Initially, an application form needs to be filled out. Long form. 21 pages of A4. Following on from this, stage two, submission of leaving certificate results. Stage three, an aptitude test, which is very difficult. Stage four, an interview. Once you are interviewed, it's successful. You are placed on a panel and then given a place on the panel and then eventually offered a position based on your ranking in the panel. The course is a three-year-long degree course. Uh, If we have a shortage of paramedics, and um, that gives some insight as to what you actually have to go through with regards to uh, the process, even before the three-year course begins and the training, which needs to be extensive, considering the job that you're doing. Bear that in mind, the profession that you're in, life-saving. Valerie, good morning. Hello there, Neil. How are you? Quick call down to Tim League. What have you got going on down there? Well, my colleague Susan is here as well. She's uh, involved in this, so we're in Timaleague Educational Garden. All right, so who's doing the growing? <laughs> well, it's everyone. It's everyone does the growing. <laughs> All everyone. right, we got a wise guy, we got a wise... Is it, is, it, is it adults? Is it kids? Is it families? 
Well, it's it's it's, it's um, working with the school, so it's predominantly the children. But then at the weekends or when the school is not open, it's adults and then in the Timberley community. And is it a good? Is it a big spot? Like a good patch of land? It's about a quarter of an acre, but like that's a great space with a greenhouse, with a cabin at the moment that's been gift, gifted to us by local um, local business who's got children in the school and we're learning to clad it in large today. What what are you growing? I, I hear it could be not just fruit and vegetables, but plants and flowers and everything. Yeah. So we have, we're starting, first of all, we have a little pond. So in there, we have all our pond life, which is fantastic. We frog spawn in it and it just appears. Oh, and all around there, then we're, we have a big circle and it's going to be all for bees and butterflies. So if people wanted to grow that at home, they can come in here and they can see exactly the plants that is you know, simple there. The next section then is all fruit and vegetables. Like? Like, uh, well, we'll be doing all the perennial vegetables, like, you know, your raspberries and strawberries, rhubarb, and then we'll be doing everything from seed. So again, we'll be teaching people how to start from seed. So everything, all the veggies that you can think of, onions, carrots, you know, your beans. Um, We've got a beautiful herb bed running all around the polytunnel. Um, and then in the autumn, the big thing about it will be will be like collecting seeds, and propagating it, and teaching people how to, you know, it's just really it's it's just a spot for people to come into the community, not only to work here, but to if you might have a question at home about gardening or about biodiversity, and it's, the spot here is incredible. Amazing. We're looking out here at the estuary. It's just, the estuary, just yeah. to come in and stand up a cup of tea. And when yeah. when everything is ready then for eating or for picking or whatever the case may be, who how does that happen and how do you divvy up the spoils? Well, they're only small. We're not doing like, a, say, for example, a huge bed of potatoes. It's not about producing a lot of food. Ah, okay. Yeah. Teaching the community how to grow certain foods. So if there is food here, like in the beautiful cabin now, you know, we can prepare food and eat it down here. Like it's not about the um, not an allotment. No, it's more showing. Ah, okay. It's to it's to teach people how to do it, see how it's done. That's why it's called an educational garden, of course. Yeah. 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 Every single thing here. All right, you're you're actually there now, and you're outdoors. Yep. It's it's glorious where I am. Is it is it a bit on the windy side down west? Girls, you live in the most beautiful village. Timaleague is just divine. Yeah, gorgeous. You'll have to come down and visit one day, Nia. They chalk it down, absolutely. As soon as the. <laughs> I'm, d- I'm going to Clonakilty tomorrow night, but uh, um, ah. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to stop over, no? Well, you can stop in the cabin, but I don't know how much the keys are coming. <laughs> Rather than coming back to Cork, I go from Clan to Timaleague. You could have the breakfast in the morning and everything. What do you think? <laughs> all right, I'll see you around half past twelve. All right, in the morning. In the morning. Anyway, good luck to you all down that way. Fair play. Take care. All the best. Cheers. Take care. Timaleague's gorgeous. It's just the most beautiful, beautiful uh, village, town, town, village. Town, Stroke Village. Town, I'd say. It's bigger than the village. It's a lovely spot. Uh, yeah, Clonakilty tomorrow night because uh, Debarra's has um, uh, the great Paddy Keenan uh, playing the pipes. So that's about a quarter to nine. Um, and that won't finish till about maybe a quarter to midnight or midnight. Would it be faster to go to Timaleague or back to Cork? Hmm. I must ponder on that one. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Among other things this morning, we got a bit of a hunter-gatherer vibe going on, and I was talking about food and the food we eat, or whether we should be cooking it, or I'm sorry, growing it ourselves, or what have you. Uh, a, there was a fantastic report done in the Telegraph some weeks ago that I kept. Remember I was talking earlier on this morning about the dinner plate being much bigger now? Well, there's evidence to prove that. They looked at the size of an average dinner plate in 1970, uh, all through the 1970s. The average dinner plate was 25 centimetres wide. Right, That was the size of it, 25 centimetres. It's now 31 centimetres. So the dinner plates have got more bigger. We are eating more ultra-processed food. Now, the UK is worse than us with the amount of ultra-processed food that form part of people's daily, weekly or annual eating. Like in the UK, they eat nearly 51% of the food they eat is ultra-processed. Here in Ireland, it's 46% of our food that we eat Um you know, whether you want to say every day, every week, or every month, or every year, 46% of it is ultra-processed. Years ago, people spent much more of their income, their household income, on food. In the 1950s, it was 33% of the income was spent on food. Um, the last evidence is from 2017, and it's gone from 33% of the income spent on food um, in the 50s to 16% of the income spent on food in the noughties and what have you. So big changes in that regard. They also talk about, you know, um, the, the, the kind of supersize me, the supersize nation as in size and also uh, the portion sizes. Uh, like 26% of people in the UK now are said to be males are said to be uh, obese. Um, uh, and then 38% are deemed to be overweight, but not obese. I mean, I don't mean confusing one with the other, but certainly definitely overweight. And those figures are getting higher and higher and higher. It was amazing statistics that they gave. Like they then looked at, say, for instance, there was research that looked at portion sizes. Now, you can control your own portion size by what you cook at home. But let's say, for instance, if it was a ready meal, like, say, for instance, a shepherd pie, shepherd's pie ready meal or a lasagna or something like that. They found that portion sizes have increased vastly since the early 90s. Uh, like uh, a portion ready meal shepherd's pie in the 90s, by comparison to now, it's 98% bigger now. 98% bigger on average, the portion size of a ready meal shepherd's pie. It's 40% bigger when you compare a lasagna now as opposed to 20 years ago even things like you know I know we talk about shrinkage and shrinkflation and I saw some easter eggs I was in Duns the other day and I saw a Cadbury's button easter egg I mean the way they're going now they're getting so small that a Cadbury's button easter egg will soon be size of a matchbox it'll be like a Cadbury's cream egg size these things were tiny like tiny but they say that for instance a portion of peanuts a packet of peanuts now is 80% bigger than it would have been 20 years ago. I mean, it's phenomenal, the research they did on that and broke it down when you when you look at it like that. Anyway, there's lots more like that. I won't even start on calorie counting, which apparently is supposed to be a very bad thing to be doing, counting calories. You shouldn't be doing that. Uh, I mean, surely portion size would be as important as the quality of the food that you're eating as opposed to, you know, I'm going to eat this because it's low on calories. That can't be great for your brain, never mind your body. Anyway, thoughts on that are welcome as always. Text 0868104106. Um, do you mind if I, if I just take some time out, please, to talk to Ashling? Uh, because I got an email in from her yesterday, which is 
worrying and it's very, very sad. And I suppose it could be deemed as an example of what many people are going through, just basically struggling. But you imagine struggling to get by or not being able to heat your house or barely able to afford enough food to eat, say on a disability payment, suffering with with bowel cancer. Well, that's the scenario that she finds herself in and that's why she contacted me yesterday. Ashling, good morning. Can you hear me okay, Ashling? Okay. Hello. I think I know you I knew you were there. Could have you how are you? Um I'm okay. okay. Yeah. What and, and the diag- and the diagnosis Mr. Prin- Mr. Prendival. Yeah. No, never mind the never mind the misters. It's Neil. Obviously it's Neil. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Um absolutely dreadful. Um terrified. Mm. Um just just not able to cope with what's going on in my life at the minute. Now you've you've already had two major surgeries. Um not yet. Or are you Mr. about Pendergast. to go through the the surgeries? I've so far I've had um chemotherapy yeah. and radiation. Um that was for like 28 sessions, five days away. Oh, that's gruelling, I'd say, is it? Um, it wasn't, well, I mean, to be honest, it it wasn't too, the radiation burn was a bit um, uncomfortable. Yeah. But I was very lucky with, um, you know, the, the people that were there, like, I mean, because they're absolutely incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So kind, so incredibly kind, and I couldn't fault them at all. And, and, um, and, and hopefully all will be well and you'll have a successful outcome from all of this. I will. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing my surgeon again now um, next week. How, um, are things, um, how are things at home? How are you coping? I'm not coping very well, to be honest. Because I live alone. Um, and I'm on disability allowance and my bills are just mounting up and up and up. And... I had to borrow money, um, so yeah, like yeah. every every week now I've got to pay like a hundred euros to this person, um, off the twelve hundred that I was lent, and um, is that no? I mean that wasn't. I mean was that? A, I don't mean to overly pry, but was that a money lender or was it somebody who who, who gladly gave you the money because you were stuck? No, it was a money lender. Oh, God. So will you end up paying back an awful lot more than you borrowed? Yes, I will do, definitely. Yes. Were you that desperate yes. that you had to turn to a money lender? Well, it was the case of, like, I got a letter from the, the council, and the, the thing was, I'm visually impaired, so um, I have to find somebody, I mean, because I do live alone, and I have to have somebody like my... I, luckily, I've got home help for um, half an hour, um, two days a week. How bad is um, your sight? Um, well, I can't read books anymore. I can't read any fine print. I can't read um, letters. Um, is it getting worse as time goes by? It's stabilised at the minute, thank God. Okay. But okay. Um, I, I don't know where it's going to go. And the, and the and the and the loan from the money lender was that out of desperation to pay for medicine that you need? No, it was paid. It had to be paid to the council. For um, what? Because well, I gave the council my bank account details, um, 
and then I was taken into hospital and I was in hospital for six weeks with the diagnosis of the, my cancer which came out of the blue. I didn't expect that at all. And um, I was given letters which I, I was in hospital so honestly I couldn't read those. And um, it was a case of if I didn't pay the 1,200 euros I would be brought to court. Was it rent? I mean... Just curious yeah. as to what was it rent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. were struggling to pay the council rent because of well, limited I, no, income. I no, I wasn't struggling to to pay them. It was just I gave them my bank account details and they had taken it down wrong. And okay, so it was an unexpected bill the agency coming. Uh, but, well, but you were saying no. you were you were saying to Kevin that you can't heat the house. You've barely. You can barely afford, afford food, and you need food. You need sustenance going through what you're going through, because because yeah. because you don't get enough on the disability payment to cover the expensive drugs. But wouldn't they? Be, it's a cancer diagnosis. Wouldn't you automatically be covered with a medical card? Well, I I would have thought so, but when when I was in hospital, um, my medical card had expired, and I didn't know that, and I was due to start chemotherapy in there. And I couldn't start chemotherapy because I would have to give them 80 euros to start it. And I didn't have 80 euros to give to them. This is all news to me that there would be a payment required like that. I wasn't aware of that. Um, well, that's, that's because my medical card had expired. Okay. Does it not just get automatically sent to you or automatically renewed, no? Um, I was blessed to have an amazing social worker out there. And he um, eventually got to give me um, an emergency medical card. Yeah. And then it was like a week later then that I had to start the chemo. But has your medical card now been renewed? It has done now, oh, okay. yeah. So that should take some financial worry off you, right? Uh, well, no, because my medical card doesn't cover some of the medications that I need. Why? I absolutely do not know, and I'm just sorry now. I'm getting a little bit upset. Um, Some of the expensive drugs and treatments that you need for the bowel cancer are not covered by the medical card, so you have to pay it yourself out of a disability yeah. payment, repay All a money, that. repay oh. a money lender, repay a credit union loan for an ESB bill, I'm told as well, and you yeah. you, you just have a mountain of debt. I'm absolutely drowning in death and um, I just, I don't know what to do. Like, I really don't. You know, it's, um, you know, it's even like, um, do you what's know the I mean? disability payment? What's that about? 230, 240 a week? I think it's 240 a week. I'm not too sure. Um, and how much of that would have to be set aside for medicines? Well, a hundred has to go to the the money lender. So there's and no uh, way you're gonna survive on that. There's no yeah. way. I know, but it has to be done, you know. And no, I I stopped taking um, the the medication that costs me, um, because I just I can't afford it anymore. 
Um, and have you have you asked for? I mean, have you asked for help from any organisation? Oh my God, I have been asking for help all the time, Mr. Prentivus. I really have. You know, I've asked everywhere. Vincent de Paul. They, I, I call Vincent Paul up in Cork, and I honestly, I don't want to knock them now because I mean they're an amazing organisation. But I, I call them in Cork, and then they say that they'll send an email down to, um, you know, where I'm. Where you living. live? Okay, let's not say yeah. I understand that, but yeah, yeah, and um, I've had no, um, no response whatsoever. Okay. None. From them. And okay. I've just been, you know, I mean, you're just told, like, you know, if you just hear it all the time. If you need help, ask for it. And I've been asking for it, and uh, um, nothing, nothing is happening, you know. What type of help were you looking for? Was it food? Was it help to get fuel for the house? Or was it to pay a bill? Or what was it? Well, I suppose mainly, like, I mean, I have to have food because I have to have a good diet. What um, are you eating? What What are you typically eating now? At the minute. Yeah. Uh, toast. Ah, yeah, but surely you must eat other things on a daily basis besides toast. No, that's all I have. Buttered toast? Yeah. Do you have a main meal? No. Good Lord, no. No. Well, when was the last time you had a hot meal? Um, it was Christmas. But don't tell me you've survived on toast since Christmas. Well, I mean, that's the only thing that I could eat, and it's better than nothing. Is it because you're sick, or because of the bowel cancer diagnosis, that you're nauseous, that's all you can keep down, or is it because you can't afford anything else? I can't afford anything. I really can't, because I've got too much more to pay out for, you know? But you're... You're, you're you're wasting away on toast with the diagnosis of bowel cancer. That's even making your your cancer worse. It's not helping, you know. But I mean, at this stage, I'm kind of like um, I'm just thrown in the towel because I mean, I just feel so humiliated, you know, asking for help and then not getting it. I just I feel awful. And I feel so embarrassed and I even feel, you know, I mean, your colleague, Kevin, like, such a dote. Like, and I told him, I was mortified to be called on the show. Absolutely mortified. Well, I just wanted to, you know. What about heat? If nothing else, if nothing else, right, I yeah. just want to highlight this, like, for people in my situation. I'm lucky I've got a roof over my head. You know, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. You're paying for it. You pay your rent every week. Okay, fair enough. It's good to be grateful and it's good to respect the property that's been given to you. But you're paying your way there. You know? It's not, it's uh, not as if... It's not charity. You're entitled to it. You're renting it and you're paying for the rent. I know, but I do feel there's an awful lot of people out there that are worse off. I can't find it hard to find them, I can tell you. I'm quite sure that there are, or as bad. But you're amongst the worst I've heard. I'm just fine. Particularly at a time when you hear hear of banks in Ireland writing off debts for 
nine and a half million, 17 million. Yesterday, something like 170 million in bad debts. They just write them off. And you'll be talking about tiny amounts of money needed just to survive. Yeah, that's all. Do you work all your life? I, suppose you, I bet you did before you got sick. I did. Well, yeah. I did. Yeah. But now I can't. I mean, I can... I mean, I'm in constant pain, you know, and they can't up my morphine any more than what they have done. Um, so, and the, the surgery, I'm going to have to have two surgeries. Um... And I'm going to end up with um, a colostomy bag, which is really upsetting me as well. Um, <clears throat> Kevin was saying that you do have a son, um, but that I do. I do. Yeah, I I'm do. Not, and I'm not going to dwell on this too much, apart from saying that things are bad enough for you, so much so that you've had to send him away to live with your sister. Yeah, that must be heartbreaking. That you feel responsible um, for that, can't provide for him. I'm devastated. I'm yeah. absolutely devastated. But I mean, the thing is, like, it's not about me. It's about my son. He's happy. He's healthy. He's safe. And that is the most important thing to me. It really and truly is. You know, I just... Um, do you have I Do just, you have any heat in the house? I mean, it's cold again now, the last few days. Very cold at night again. Well, I've asked for um, help for fuel. Because I've got a stove. I live in a really small, um, like, one-bedroom apartment. And I've got a stove, which is great. I mean, if I had the fuel for it, it would heat the whole place. Well, in one way, you're lucky that it's tiny, because there'd be less of it to heat. But you have no fuel. You have no fuel. No, I don't. No. Uh, And do you call the Vincent de Paul often, like, and just remind them that you have been in touch and that you're struggling badly? Yeah, I have done. I mean, the, the last call I made was about three days ago. And um, I haven't heard that in back. I mean, Mr. Prendival, all I want is just some... I just want some peace, you know? I just want some peace of mind. And I don't want to be worried anymore. You know? Yeah, I know, I know. You're so far down now uh, that, um, you know... I don't know, can you fall any further? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, are you hungry? Are you hung- I mean, I know with the with the bowel cancer and the treatment and everything, are you, are you not hungry all of the time? Or has your, oh my have God. you gone beyond that now? Well, I mean, the less you eat, the less hungrier you are, you know? The less you eat, the less hungry you are. Yeah. And, you, and you go to a point where you pass hunger by. Yeah. You're, but you're, if you're not eating, your body is at this point in time shutting down. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that, but there's nothing, there's nothing I can do about it. I wish there was, but there, there's nothing I can do about it. So if you look at the no. two thirty a week on disability, you got thirty five or forty of that as rent straight away. So you're down to uh, one nine five. You got a hundred to a drug dealer. Sorry, pardon me, to no, a, no, to no, a money no, lender. No, it's not a drug dealer. No, my apologies. Me. That was my mistake. I'm confusing that with the drugs for your bowel cancer. My apologies. But you're you're straight around straight away down to a hundred 
Um, and then I've got credit union. And you got the credit union there. to pay. And then you have the extra medication that you need that could be anything between 55 and 100 in a fortnight kind of a thing. Um, yeah. and, you, and that's been so bad you've stopped even renewing those or buying those. So you're not even getting the medication that you need. Uh, I couldn't. I, I, just, I, I just can't afford them. I really can't. And, um, Is it an awful in 2023 that people are living like this? Do you know, I, it, it I see the texts already. I see the texts already coming in saying it's because you're Irish. It's because you're Irish. You'll fall through the cracks. Nothing will be done for you. There's no emergency here. You know that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I don't want to. You know, I mean, okay, it's because I'm Irish. But I mean, the, the people that are here, living here now at the minute, like even the people from Ukraine, they're going through. I know, and not awful, awful, awful time themselves. You know, they're they're fretful. They're living in a different country. They're going to have to try to adapt to our ways. And I I find it very very hard when I hear people giving out about them because I just don't think it's right. You know. Well, that's nice of you. People, it's not, that's nice of you to say so for you know somebody who can't afford to. Uh, put heat in the house or eat even a, one hot meal a day, you know, in fairness to you. Living on toast, bowel cancer, disability, medical card that doesn't cover everything regarding the cancer. man actually said here by text, um, I'm self-employed. I got bowel cancer three years ago. I was out of work for over a year with zero income and no medical card. I don't give up my details. People will just suffer in silence sometimes rather than look for help. But in your case, you are looking for help. And would, would you be okay with us contacting St. Vincent de Paul? Would you be okay with if people get in touch with me who are listening to this to get in touch with you to help? Oh, I absolutely would. And, and another thing, Mr. Prendival, is that the, um, my, the dentist, now they don't take medical cards anymore. Yeah, okay. Why are you saying that? Are there d- dental issues or something, yeah? I do have a dental issue, yeah. I'm getting an abscess in my tooth. Is that, and are my... you in pain? Yes, I am. How do you keep, you, you, I, I know you will keep going and you need to keep going. I, and no, ho- I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to pull the tooth out myself because it needs to come out. Oh, God. Crazy um, stuff. Yeah. Don't. I mean, you know, I've always been a strong person, but I'm after losing that now. I just feel as though I'm after losing myself. Are your friends aware of your scenario? I know that you're you're embarrassed because I think that you might have had to borrow from them in the past. Do you find that you just want to isolate yourself now? I'm dreadfully isolated. Um, I am. And I don't borrow from friends at all. I wouldn't do that, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought that you did in the past that they were good to you, but that you would feel embarrassed to no. go back again. No, okay. no, no, okay. no. I I I borrow from them, as they call them, loan sharks. Okay, okay. Well, maybe there are people listening that might be able to point you in the right direction with regards to help. I mean, I would automatically say St. Vincent de Paul. I would say the likes of of penny dinners I would say also there are obviously cancer charities and cancer societies who are there to help um, but you know you, you seem to have been in touch with the Marie Curie Foundation you've certainly been in touch with St. Vincent de Paul 
yeah. no luck in that regard. Uh, you don't live no. anywhere near enough to, you know, uh, contact penny dinners because you're way out of the city. No. You're very isolated. Um, I know it's. A di- I know it takes a lot of bravery and courage to call a radio station and just ask for help. I, I get that's not an easy phone call to make. In fairness, to you. I'm, I'm absolutely mortified. Yeah, I know. I know. But I mean, at the same time, I'm desperate. Okay. All right. Because well, hopefully, I'm just, hopefully, I'm getting, yeah. yeah, I'm just getting weaker and weaker and weaker all the time. You know. Yeah. There is um there is a thing called the hardship scheme at your local chemist um, which you can apply for for the medication that you need but I, can't afford I, to buy. I have done. I have done because I've had a, 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 a palliative care nurse down with me and um, she told me about that. Okay, and has that um, kicked in? No, it hasn't because I rang the, my chemist and I asked them about that and they said, oh, well, you're going to have to go to your GP and she's going to have to print out a form and send it back over to them. You're going to do that? I have done that already. I've done that already. Okay. So it hasn't kicked in yet? It hasn't kicked in yet? No. No. Go back to them again and, you know, call them again and remind them of you again. I know. I'm just getting so tired. I know you are, and you feel as if you feel as if you're invisible. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and like I said, I just want some peace. You know, I really just want some peace of mind. I want to be able to have a good night's sleep. These phone calls are very important to let people know how difficult it can be for people who need help and who are struggling, particularly when they are carrying a lot of illness, and in your case, bowel cancer. Um, um, What have you got? What kind of fuel have you got? Is it solid fuel or is it gas or is it is it oil or, or what? Sorry, I'll, I'll come, I think I may have inadvertently lost that call there, but uh, just when I'm getting her back there again. Peter? How's it going, Neil? I think she said solid fuel, did she, something like that. Was it solid fuel? Yeah, I fit, I fit stoves myself, Neil, so I know what she need. Yeah, you have, your company's Cork Chimneys. We spoke before, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I just fit stoves. I don't have a shop, but I can organise fuel for no problem. Would, would you do that? Yeah, I do. I would, of course. Oh, my God. I mean, the nights are cold again now. I think that's the least I could do for her. So what would that be, like blocks, logs? Yeah, blocks and coal and kindling and firelighters and all the stuff she'd need, like. Ah, that's very kind. It's very charitable of you, in fairness. Ah, it's terrible listening to what they're like, like say, at this time of day, freezing cold. And other people have been very kind as well. They're they're with offers and and what have you. So they are very kind and people asking how they can help. But you're very kind, Peter. If I can get you the details as to where she is, would you be able to pay her a call? Yeah, I'll sort it out. I deliver the stuff myself and all to her. Okay. Is it blocks? Is it blocks, Ashling, is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh my God! I can't is, believe. Yeah, this is Peter from from Cork Chimneys. He fits stoves and flues and things like that. But he's going to get you sorted for some fuel asap. All right. Well, thank you so. Oh, much. I know it's a, it's a it's a lovely gesture. Thank you so much, Peter. That's incredible. No problem, thank mate. You so right. much. Okay. Thank you. All right. I'll I'll give you the details, Peter, when we get off the air. All right. Mind yourself. Take care for now. Um, come back after the break. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Okay. Red FM. Ashling, I'm, I'm out of time now. Can I just say there's been an awful lot of people who have been moved enough to contact me who want to help, okay? 
Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so I'll be back. I'll be back on that in the morning. First thing, um, just one fast call though from Hazel with Street Angels. Hazel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm love? good. I'm good. I wish I had more time, but I came late to I the know, story. But I totally understand. Yeah. Your time is up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta yeah. go. Up. Can you help? I can, of course. I have um, non-perishables, and I'm babysitting my grandson till this evening. But I'll drive down to wherever if you can pass on the ladies details non-perishable food stuff and some clothing yeah. and Peter's been talking about solid fuel other people have been offering fuel as well I have to say and others want to know how they can help uh, and, and stuff like that I'll I bring her the food and okay. if she if you can give her my details to contact me or an address I'll drop them down this evening okay others want to get a full shop in others want to get her sorted for a hot meal in a restaurant and other people want to give a few bob as well so all good thank you for that I'll pick up on the story in the morning Hazel thank you All right. okay cheers girl well done okay you too that's uh, Hazel incredible worker with Street Angels Ashley thank you so much uh, and thank you to everybody well listen I just hope you feel a little bit more optimistic now you know and and throughout the course of the day we'll put all together and uh, so you don't mind if we call Vincent de Paul and other people like that on, on your behalf and things like that, um, absolutely. Okay, okay. So hopefully, hopefully now you you should feel a little bit better in yourself uh, by sharing that story you because know what? Yeah, well, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah my okay. faith. I mean, humanity has been. I know Cork people are incredible. And listen, uh, if it gets the, the wheels mo, if get if it gets the wheels mo- moving, you're coming on air this morning, so you can have a better life and and deal with the challenge in front of you which is the bowel cancer then it's going to be worth the phone call so I'll talk to you in the morning alright thank you so much alright girl okay no never no mister please Neil is just fine alright don't be with the oh, mister okay alright All right, well thank you Neil okay thank Ashley talk much. tomorrow God bless lines will stay open text 0868104106 have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts